from Wichita, Kansas. It's Black Ooze presents with Art Brood Film. enjoy wearing a mask. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're recording. I'm going to start out by being sappy. Hi, Wade. I love you so much. Ryan, I I love you so much. Merry Christmas. I love you so, so much. I love you so (laughs) I love you too, Wade. I just wonder how far I can go before you're like, okay. Anyway, back to our, (laughs) no, uh, I felt pretty good today, but I felt like shit most of the week. Felt sick enough that I went and got a COVID test on Wednesday just to make sure, which was negative. Thank God. Good. Stuff, different weird things going with my body that I was like, and I had to visit a couple people today to drop off some packages, and one of them was quite elderly, and I thought I'd be a real douchebag if I assumed I was fine and then handed them something and later found out I wasn't. And I have to call them and go, uh, that stuff I gave you, did you spray that down real good? Because apparently I'm quite ill. <laughs> But oh, no, everything's fine. But no, anyway, this was this was uh, in this crazy 2020 world. And as we listen to this, Kansas has already had four earthquakes today, by the way. Yeah, I know. So, four and counting. So 2020 is just going out swinging. So it's nice. <laughs> just to like have, it's nice to have something as calm and relaxing as seeing your uh, your good buddy doing a podcast with them. It's it's a, it's a nice uh, break from the insanity that is 2020. That, I'm, that's my sappiness. Well, and I, I do, love you. And I do love you. I love you too. And I'm very, uh, very happy to be here with you today. And uh, yeah, we're Black Goose Presents. From Wichita, Kansas, where Art Brew Film, I'm Wade Hampton. And I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm going to just launch into this because this is kind of my responsibility. Um, <laughs> last week we did Krampus. That's my German uh your German pronunciation. Pronunciation, I guess not enunciation. Oh. Yeah, Krampus. And uh, as Ryan had pointed out, I about 9,000 times objected to the ending, which, uh, so, you know, it's funny because I was talking to Abigail about it and she goes, she hadn't, I don't think she watched it this year. She goes, but it ends happy, right? And I go, no. She goes, it doesn't? <laughs> In my head, I go, yeah, me too. I keep thinking. So I told her how it kind of ends with a big fuck you to these people. Which is fine. I'm just not going to rehash that other than I kept wanting, because it's Christmas, you know, things to kind of work out. So back to uh, going full uh, uh, circle about the beginning of what I just said about 2020 and not feeling well and probably seasonal depression and all the other crap that, I mean, like, I've never experienced with people I know, you know, that you talk to them. They're like, oh, I've never felt, you know, as kind of shitty as I do this year. I found myself more than ever, maybe not wanting to watch stuff that was so negative, especially around Christmas, I should say. So Krampus at the end kind of was a bit of a kick in the balls. So yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, I have my uh, things I like to watch around Christmas time, and it hit me that I was going to watch something I watch every year. And I called Ryan and I said, hear me out. What do you think about us watching Muppet Christmas Carol? Which, in his defense, he was like, cool. I objected completely. The only thing he said is, does it go against uh, kind of the purity of, and then I said, well, if we're going to get technical, A Christmas Carol is a ghost story. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I mean, Charles Dickens did write a ghost story. So that is technically haunted, horror, gothic, you know, 
So now the Muppet version might not be as much as others, but we also, I'm rambling, but we also had discussed from day one that Black Who's Presents could be present whatever we damn well want it to be. It will mostly be horror, but if we wanted uh, Andy to, you know, perform one of his new songs, because people don't know this, and I'm being all serious, Andy actually is an amazing <laughs> musician. Incredible. It, it like, could be Black Goose Presents Andy Matlock's, you know, new EP. I mean, if we wanted to. I think right now, and I'm going to call him, make sure he doesn't do something stupid. I think Andy should put 30 seconds of one of his best songs right here. Right here. Right here. Thanks, Robot. Wants to have sex. Thanks, Robot. Wants to have sex. Thanks, Robot. Wants to have sex. I'm sex robot and I want to have sex. That's fantastic. I hope you put it in because you'll see how beautiful his stuff is. And I mean, I will oh my say, God. don't you put in a fart song. I want you to put in something sincere. But uh, anyway, getting is to he- the point. Oh, sorry. Can I ask you one question? Yes, please. Is this, and you let me know if this is off the record or not, but I mean, is he out, is he attached to Black Golden Bull? Like, would people know? Like, if I say Black Golden Bull. Oh, yeah. Is, no, he's fine with that. It's not yeah, like he a has secret a project. project. No, he has a project called Black Golden Bull. I think. Okay. Great. Hopefully, you heard that. Okay. Because in the spirit of the season, if you want to hear the most goddamn heartbreaking rendition of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Oh, Black Golden Bull has you covered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andy, is- play, play part of that right now. Now we're all so proud of Grandpa. He's been taking this so well. See him in there watching football. Drinking beer and playing cards with Now we've just heard it, and you're I'm crying. I'm, cr- I'm crying. It is. It's he, crazy. He Sorry out to under the, I think he put it out under a, called the licensing division. Andy, we want these sincerely on there. We'll talk to him later about that. Um, so anyway, back to what I was saying. So Black Goose can be whatever we want it to be. I mean, we don't want to piss off people to say, I thought you were horror. But the way I look at it is if somebody discovered us and we had 100 podcasts, well, if 90 of them are horror – they can want they can listen to what they want, but it's listed right there. If it says yeah, Black Goose, it if it says Black Goose presents, I don't know, uh, 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 something. I'm trying to think of the dumbest. <laughs> Grease the musical, which I have no <laughs> desire to do. I we we can if we want. We can if we want. That's what I'm saying. It's our podcast. I don't know, man. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Uh, I like that I gave this big speech that you come in and you go, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I, no, I'm not going against what you're saying. I love the idea of being able to talk about uh, whatever whatever we love. Hey, oh, no, that's why I'm so distracted. I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask you one thing. Just now, pull the little foam thing off the microphone now. Okay. Yeah, you don't need that part. You're right. Because now better? you got that. Yeah, I, it'll just sound better, I think. Anyways. Okay, uh, good. No, that was smart. I didn't even think about that. Since you got the screen. Anyways, uh, the our listeners don't care about this. Uh, it's important. No. <laughs> we don't have a technical I, advisor. I agree uh, with you, and I'm into it. This was a. Uh, this was. Uh, we have not spoken at all about this film before no. we hit record today. And the and, Muppet and, Christmas Carol is what we're talking about. I think I made that clear. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm kind of all over the place. So. Um, 
yeah, we're going to talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol, and we'll talk about all sorts of stuff on this podcast, because this is just a podcast of two dudes talking about some stuff. Usually it's right. horror movies, but sometimes it's variations, like the classic Christmas Carol. Um, Which has horror elements. 100%. When he's what haunted is the by he's- ghosts through the night that he's not sure he's going to even survive the night, and he's shown he's- his impending death because he's a piece of shit by death, for God's sakes. What did he say? Was the opening line? It was like the Marleys are dead, or something. Yeah, I wish I had a memory that can remember. Yeah, the Marleys are dead. It's important that you know this. Yeah, or I know he says that later on. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, right out the gate, you know, you got ghosts and dead people and all sorts of stuff. So I didn't object too much, but I want to go on record for the remainder of our podcast that I have a terrible memory, which is not good for a podcast host. But go ahead. (laughs) It's okay. We're we're getting through it. We'll we'll uh, we're all just getting through it. Um, I love how much I want to reference, but I'm like, yeah, it's something like that. Oh, that'd been cool if I knew what that was. I sure wish I knew what he said. I try to write some stuff down on my notes, but I didn't write that down. I, I wrote it on my. Notes. I wrote it, and I think it just happens later in the in the movie. But um, anyways, so I am. What'd you think? Six years old. I was eight when this came out. When you asked me to do Muppet Christmas Carol, I was like, that's weird. I have like no connection to this film whatsoever. I don't You told me that you didn't really have a massive connection with the Muppets in general. Right. I don't. Right. I, right. I never really have. Like, I enjoy it when I see it, but I'm not, I can't. Right, right. It's not, part, it's not a huge part of your childhood like mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not like Treasure Island and, and, you know, Manhattan and like, all that sort of stuff. I have no link to this. So going into this, I was like, oh, this will be fun. And I got to say, I am going to look at all of the things about this movie that I think are spectacular because overall, it just didn't do it for me. And I know. And the. Well, I appreciate everybody listening. This has been Black Ooze Presents from. It's the final episode. Wouldn't it be great to have one that's eight minutes long? Just gone. So, um, so yeah, it's, I I don't know what it is about it that just, it wasn't, um, we'll we'll get into it, but, um, and I'm really interested to talk about it because I not only watched it once, I watched it twice because I watched it again this morning because I just felt like I didn't have enough notes and I didn't know what was going on. And so I'm really excited to talk about this today because I want to point out that, and I mean this sincerely, Ryan is one of the more optimistic people I've ever met. You know, when we're on set or we're doing something, he's usually the biggest cheerleader. That's why when he's not, it always bothers me because I've known him for so long as kind of the go-to, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Woo. So <clears throat> not to reveal too much about you, but I don't think you'll mind this. But if you're going through depression or something like we all do, it really throws me off because like, that's not Ryan. Ryan's not that guy. So it's enthusiasm weird. is kind of, you know, your middle name. So to hear you say, it just didn't work for me. First of all, it's fine, but it does make me go, oh, no. I'm going to have to psychoanalyze what's wrong with you. <laughs> I Okay, so that's where I was going to go with this, is this is where we find out that, like, maybe I'm just, a, just an awful person or mm-hmm. something and, and all these things because I just, like, and and it's not even that. Maybe, I don't know. Okay, so many years ago, I had a, a, a real Listen. lust for life when it comes to Christmas. I mean, Christmas was my shit, and... I finally got to that point over the last so many years where 
the appeal of Christmas and the feeling of Christmas and and all of those things were <laughs> were uh, are waning, you know, and and I don't consider myself some sort of Ebenezer Scrooge, but um. And I'm doing everything I can to feel like Christmas because I'm putting up lights and I'm doing the tree and I'm, I'm listening to all of my Christmas records over and over. I'm doing everything. And I don't know if right. it's 2020 or if it's just me nowadays or what. I don't know. But Christmas is is harder to reach this year than it has been in, in years past. And I oh, think God that ultimately hurt Krampus. I think that ultimately hurt my viewing of Krampus because even though I love that movie, something about it was kind of wasn't as magical as as it, I used to think it was maybe and even though I still really enjoyed watching it this year for the pod this uh wouldn't you say though that for me you know, what I said earlier about just you know not to dwell on it but it's been a fucked up year you know everything is so tainted everything has been I mean I just went and delivered a couple of presents to people that I you know I hadn't seen who like I said one of them's elderly the other one just had surgery and I went in her house with mask on, you know, and we stood, you know, seven, eight feet apart for, you know, 10 minutes and caught up. But whole time I'm there, you know, you're just, okay, be careful. And uh, uh, everything just has, you know, this patina on it. <laughs> That's not a good thing. So I can't, I think what I'm trying to say is I think it's worked into every, the complete fabric of society right now. So something as casual as, oh, I'm just going to be in the Christmas spirit. I mean, if we really want to go on a tangent, you work retail. I would, yeah. and I'm not trying to make you feel worse, but <laughs> I would be insanely nervous. I don't deal with the public. I mean, I live, leave my house almost never. And if I rarely do, I mean, I almost never leave my house and I still got a COVID test. And you would deal with the public every fucking day. It's and wild. That in itself at holiday would be nerve-wracking but then throw fucking oh the largest pandemic in a hundred years on the planet on top of it i'm just saying it doesn't it may not be the most conducive to i'm gonna go watch a hollywood film and get all caught up and but you're trying oh, yeah yeah but you're well trying. it's you know i am trying and uh I'm, I'm getting there i think um that's why i laughed what uh you probably didn't make the connection but all right, so here's the other problem I have. We're gonna do. We're gonna do something. Problem. Here's something we're gonna. We've never done before. Oh, what's that? We're gonna. I'm gonna listen to a voicemail live on this thing because this is a guy I'm making a song with. No need to call me back. Just want to let you know I just uh, emailed you two separate emails. One of them says the first email that you're gonna get says that uh, uh, here's the uh, the track with it with the audio, but it's actually a link taking you to the video. Got confused. Okay. And then uh, the next. I can listen to this later. This was important because I'm interrupting Ryan. I do these stupid songs with a buddy of mine that lives in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And he set up his studio with the Christmas tree and everything to do his part of the video because I sent mine. And I wanted to make sure he wasn't like, you know, at home going, dude, call me right back. I got to get this shit. Blah, 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 blah. But everything's fine. Uh, okay, good. So we're working on some holiday magic. It's called uh, We're All in Denial for Christmas. That's what oh, the song is. <laughs> so there you sweet. go. Anyway, back to what you're saying, which it's imperfect. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I try to be really introspective and uh, try to think about, you know, like, come on, man, what's going on with you? Like, you're watching this sweet movie with these Muppets. It should be giving you all these warm, fuzzy feelings. What's your mm. deal, man? 
What's happening? I think if you're, and I'm not saying you're depressed. I don't mean this when I say it. But for me, if I'm going through something and I have never gone through stuff like I have this year, oh my God. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sometimes it's days, if not weeks, and I go, Jesus. And I honestly haven't talked to any good friend who this year hasn't said, yeah, I think I'm depressed. I mean, these are pretty optimistic people. And uh, I mean, they come up out of it. But the point being is when you're kind of in it or dealing with just bullshit, I don't, I just, you know, not to make this a negative podcast, but it's hard to tap into that. It's just, it's mm -hmm. not a matter of just, oh, I hate when people do something like, you should put on blah, blah, blah album. That always cheers me up. <laughs> and sometimes like, fuck you. No, it's not that. I, I, well, if it was that goddamn easy, I'd fucking have an album. So oh, what? My, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but then, but then the deeper issue is what's wrong with me when I'm like, uh, so joyfully giddy to watch like someone get sawed in half with a chainsaw, but. Oh, <laughs> wait a second. I didn't know we were going to go there. Um, I mean, I'm just saying like, I had to think about that because I watched this movie and I go, man, I'm, I'm. I want I want to talk about it, but I don't know what to talk about, and I don't. It didn't resonate with me, and so then I had to approach this podcast differently than I have for what nine episodes now or whatever. Which is this is our tenth movie. Episode? Oh, I think so. Yes, it's it is. Exciting. Hey, Yay! Merry Christmas, y'all! Hey. Episode ten. Happy um, ten. We did it. So I have to approach it like, well. You're really excited to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, or something like even a lesser sequel or something. But I have an answer for that right now. Immediately, Muppets. I'm going to tell you. It just Ooh, came uh, to me. Oh, Here's what I think because it just came to me. I also want to point out that I'm in really intelligent. People that don't know this about me, <laughs> uh, you should see him. He's sliding his glasses up right now. Whoop! All up to the uh, no. I, I'm. Probably 100% wrong. But it dawned on me when he said that, knowing Ryan as well as I do, it dawned on me that, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that, uh, I'm just barfing this out. I have no like psychological uh, reason behind this, is that there's no pressure on that. That's kind of a relaxing place because you get to go to your, well, first of all, it's your comfort zone. I mean, we know mm -hmm. that you love horror, so obviously that's your comfort zone. But I think you just you just hit the nail on the head by everything you said is that when you're watching Muppet and stuff, you're putting kind of a preconceived uh, uh, expectations of how you should feel, how you should experience it, how, you know, the joy should wash over you. And the fact that it's not, it's, that's kind of, a, you get into the kind of vicious cycle of, you know, to me, it would get worse and worse as you watch it because you're going kind of like, what is wrong? Why is this not working? <laughs> or something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just kind of like putting on a metal song. It just right. is what it is. And you just go, oh, fuck yeah. It's like sliding into a nice bloody blanket. Yeah, it just, <laughs> you know, Judas Priest, who I worship, Gooding a year ago, actually two years ago, whenever it came out, their newest album, oh, so Flamethrower. Gooding texts me and says, we don't always agree on a lot of stuff. And he says, have you heard the new Jews Priest album? I said, no, I haven't listened to it yet. He goes, I can't believe I'm saying it. This might be their best album yet. And I went, I was like, I think I went cool. What I was thinking is, whatever. You're a moron. How that? And then I listened to it. It's probably their best album yet. Yeah, so, and then you had me listen to it. And I mean, it's insane. But there's times where when I'm down, I know that certain things, like I put one song on that's kind of that, <clears throat> aggressive it kind of it, it's almost like some like a big foot coming and kicking you and say wake up bitch <laughs> so horror could maybe be that way with you that it's just kind of this visceral thing versus 
the lovey-dovey Christmas music snow that just doesn't. Yeah, so uh, it makes sense to me knowing you that that one thing might bring you joy and the other one goes, eh, yeah. Well, I feel really bad now because I realize I think I just hijacked the first 20 minutes of this thing of your super happy Christmas podcast with yeah, uh, I'm pretty with depressing, a, now. No, a I'm depressing therapy session. Um, I also don't like musicals. You know, I used to always say I do not like musicals, but I realize the older I get, there's so many things that fall under musicals that I go, oh, I enjoy this. I don't like, one of the things I like about this, there's only like four songs, maybe five. And I like that because most of it's not a musical. I don't See, like, felt- I do not like ones that are all musical. You know, they don't even speak a word. Oh, Everything. like a straight up rock opera or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that I, unless, I mean, I guess, it, it, well, you know, this is going to be controversial. I'm not a big fan of Hamilton. I watched like the first half and there's a couple of things I really enjoyed, like the King, you know, his big speech, he comes out, that's fantastic. But a lot of it, I was like, okay, oh, they sing through this whole thing. <laughs> you know, I've never seen it. Well, I mean, and I, I get no why desires. people are into it. It just that again, Jason Manzukas, you know, I've listened to a lot of how did this get made? And he mm. always says, I do not care for musicals. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I'm kind of like, yeah, most of the time. But like this, the songs are so good. Paul Williams did such a great job on that. And again, I don't know that I want to watch it year round, but for Christmas time, it's like, oh, this is Christmas. This film is mm-hmm. the ultimate in what I want from all things Christmas. And we can get into it, and we'll just psychoanalyze it while we go. Yeah, yeah, that's my you. subtle. This is my my subtle dig at myself because I say, "Why is this movie not working for me? Do I not like musicals? I guess I don't like musicals. I should realize that by now." But then I realize I just watched Night, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which is what my background image is from. That's a subtle oh, dig at Muppet Christmas okay. Carol, um, and. I know. <laughs> I was like, well, why why do I hold this one so near and dear and special? And it's probably I don't know. Maybe it's a spooky kid in me. I don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, I I don't mind that musical. I have the I have the vinyl. You know, I listen to it and I sing along with it and stuff. Well, and so, it's like you said, it's the it's, just it's the horror guy in you. I think I this think think just didn't it. reach me younger, so now it can't reach me at older. Or maybe I'm just jaded and cynical. I don't know. Anyways, so we open on. <laughs> uh, 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 we were opening credits on this. What I love about this. All the things I love about this, the reason this speaks to me so much and brings me so much joy, I just want to hear it the whole time going, what's going on? Well, I want to hear all I got to start with my speech, which I told you once is uh, growing up, there was only a few things that truly, truly, truly spoke to me. And one of them was Jim Henson, all things Muppets, all Sesame Street, the Muppet Show, anything uh, puppets and miniatures and I was a big fan of Ray Harryhausen, you know, and his uh, stop motion animation. And I don't even know that this is true, but I was really, really close to my brother-in-law that passed away when I was mm, 25, I think. And when I was, he was probably 11 years older than me because at the time, you know, he seemed so much older. Now looking back, I realized, hell, he was like 21 when he came into my family. So he was a kid, but we would just hit it off. We were just like two peas in a pot. He's the one I did the comic book for, the official one for Prairie Dog Comics. And we made board games together and we just made stuff together all the time. And uh, he took me to Star Wars when I was 10, which was one of the few movies I got to see. But he had told me once he went to OU 
and told me that they had a film degree, I believe. Now, I don't know if that's true. I just remember as a kid him telling me this. And that one of the things you could study there was special effects. And I remember as a kid, it was always funny because old people, as a kid, they're all old people. What do you want to be when you grow up? And my friends would say, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to do this. And I would say, I'm going to be a special effects artist. And they'd always look at me like, yeah, that's cute. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you because I don't know what that means. But I was obsessed with film and the making of uh, special effects. So uh, Henson was at the top of the game. I mean, there was, I can't think of anybody that probably influenced me more than maybe ILM, you know, Star Wars, you know, that kind of stuff. So in 90, uh, Jim Henson passed away. It was the only uh, uh, celebrity that made me actually cry because he died the same day as Sammy Davis Jr. And I remember they announced that and I was like, oh, that's too bad. And then they said, after the break, we have a tribute to Jim Henson. I was like, oh, that'll be nice. Didn't know it was a tribute because he fucking died. So they played the tribute and I started realizing, oh, and at the end they had the, you know, the years and, you know, kind of in memoriam and then just tears rolled down my face. Because hell, you know, what's crazy, you see a photo of me, he looks like he's 70. He died at, I'm 53, he died at 53. Really? What did he die of? I, you know, it was something I remember. I don't know now because I haven't looked, but I remember him just going to the hospital, not feeling too good. And that was it. Something Fuck. got him. But anyway, fast forward two years later, Muppet Christmas Carol comes out. And up until, I don't know, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, I uh, um, had no desire to see it because it was like, well, Jim Henson's not involved. It can't be any good. And I was on Facebook and I asked the, what's your one favorite Christmas movie? Well, a lot of people said Muppet Christmas Carol. Again, I was kind of thinking, yeah, I bet. And then Jen Ray, friend of ours that owns the Monarch, a bar and a restaurant here in town. I think it was hard to find it back then, you know, because it wasn't streaming and maybe it cost really expensive to buy it all. But anyway, she said, Wade, come by the Monarch. I'll give you my DVD copy. You have to watch this movie. So I thought, fine. So I went, got it, took it home, reluctantly watched it, and was like, Brian Henson, his son, directed it. And I was like, okay, this is the best Muppet thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Jim Henson's <laughs> not involved. I mean, he's involved, obviously. The world wouldn't exist without him. But he was passed away, and I felt kind of guilty to go, good job, Brian, because <laughs> <laughs> this is better than I think Jim Henson would have ever done. I don't know how. Obviously, we don't know that. So I became instantly very endeared to it. And fast forwarding, if that's possible, to the opening of this, the opening shot is a slow push over all these miniatures of, I guess, London, Charles London, Dickens. right? Yeah. yeah. And you can see the backdrop and everything, and they even do a couple of cut or uh, swipe cuts where the roof will come in, and then they'll go to the actual people on the set. Everything's a soundstage, but it's everything I love about filmmaking, just that. I would love if we had more money than God is to build a miniature and oh be able God. to push through it and then cut to a sound stage where there's fake snow coming down and there's watching behind the scenes, you realize how many kind of how it's all elevated off the ground because the Muppet performers are all, you know, on the ground with their mm-hmm. hands up. And then Michael Caine and all the humans are walking on the uh, elevated street and how they're shooting everything. And it's so perfectly done that I think just the creation of it makes me happy. You know, oh, yeah. even if the film wasn't that good, I think I would just enjoy watching it. But the fact that they push in and go straight to the, uh, uh, whatever is it, Scrooge song. Yeah. Um, what is his song? Um, I don't know. I, have I, don't, I don't remember. 
I wrote a lot of songs. But there's 250 characters, by the way, in these Yeah, I thought I read 280 or something like that. Oh, maybe that's it. But I mean, they said they invented all kinds of stuff they had never done just for the background stuff. But It's amazing. It's amazing. And the the way it all goes together and going on a bit of a tangent, I've watched, I think, most of the Christmas carols because there's so many. And the book which i've never read and i've had people say you know you can read I've it like read. quickly it's super small which i want to do i've just been bad about reading lately but it can be very dark and obviously very gothic horror and uh theirs is obviously made for kids but i enjoy the shit out of it but there's some people who really kind of double down on the kind of creepy eeriness of it but I thought this version does a good job of having some spooky stuff at times. But as a whole, it's still the Muppets. But I remember, I mean, first of all, uh, Michael Caine, who doesn't fucking love Michael Caine, and my friend John January, if he's listening, which I don't think he is, he had written me a couple of weeks ago and said, have you seen the made-for-TV version of The Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott, 1984? I said, I have it. He goes, best Ebenezer, hands down. So I watched it. And it, it's it's probably tied with, I think, Michael Caine because they both play it very straight. Because a lot of times when Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge is performed, it's always very over the yeah. top. And these guys play it very straight. And I think it's really great to watch Michael Caine perform with Muppets. And I've seen interviews where he's like, I, you know, you forget they're Muppets, they're characters. You're, mm-hmm. li- you know, you're deli- you're working with actors, and the thing he said I thought was very interesting is he goes, I never looked at the puppeteers; they're right there. I always looked at the Muppets because they're the characters I'm performing with. But I'm rambling. I mean, we can get into it more. But that opening sweeping shot is like this is everything I've ever wanted in a film. It goes from miniatures to puppets to elevated sets. I'm a big fan of fake snow. <laughs> I like sound stages and everything. I'm just like. This is the most magical thing I've ever seen. Well, it's like and, a perfectly choreographed dance. I mean, that walk through that town is is unbelievable when you when you start to break it down. I I will say that I mean the first note I wrote, well, the second, the first one was in loving memory, but the second was one minute in and I'm blown away. Just right. because it was like they opened hard with this shot of just everything coexisting in the same city and taking you through and you meet all these crazy characters and you hear hear their little quips and stuff as you follow all the way through and meet you know Gonzo playing Charles Dickens and Rizzo the Rat who I think is my favorite Muppet. Jeez. I think Rizzo is Those two, I mean and I think there's a lot of reasons for me why this works but I haven't ever well, I definitely have never seen A Christmas Carol where they actually have Charles Dixon's narrating. <laughs> and I do like that Rizzo the Rat tries to say, you're not Charles Dixon's. And he was like, yeah, I am. It seems it. like a it seemed like a theater that, you know, it seemed like such a stage play thing when he was like, I'm Charles Dickens. He says, wait, you're not Charles Dickens. And he's like, he's like, of course I am. The 18th century author <laughs> Charles Dickens. And he's like, well, how would I know all the stuff that's going to happen? Like he couldn't have read the story. But he has a line, I wish I wrote it here, which I thought, oh, I keep telling you storytellers are omniscient. I know everything. Oh. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so let's, like I, we'll, we'll just say that we'll just say that Gonzo is Charles Dickens. So I like right. that Charles Dickens is narrating it. And I like that Rizzo the Rat plays Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> they don't try to change him up as, you know, Charlie the Rat or something. And those two are obviously kind of the 
uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 of the thing. You know, they're always cut back to the comic relief. But I think those guys are so goddamn funny over and over again. I think they do it very well. But they do such a good job of old Jerry Jewell, the guy that wrote the thing. They just went to him and he's like, yeah, I'll come up with something. And he did, I think, an amazing job. But yeah, I think they're fantastic. Well, I and feel like... I didn't ca- go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because no, what I was going to say no, comes up later. <laughs> um, I feel like his dialogue, Scrooge's dialogue especially, but I feel like so much of the dialogue is almost word for word. I think you're Just right with Scrooge. some of the clips I saw. But I do think Scrooge's dialogue is exactly the same because I saw some of like the really old... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't I wish I'd read it down. A when, Tale of Two Cities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so old, it was called Tale of Two Cities at one yeah. point. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's a couple of lines he said, and you're like, these are in all the Christmas carols. Well, he read the book, obviously, Jerry Jewell, and said, you know, I tried to stay true to it. And he said, that's one of the reasons I was like, well, I should have, you know, Charles Dickens just narrate this, because then he can yeah. say some of the narration. I'm a big fan of voiceover and narrators, which I read a long time ago in a filmmaking book that that was lazy filmmaking. You know, right. you're, you're explaining too much. And I've always felt like, so it works, who gives a shit? I well, love the idea of, uh, I've always said, it, if you had an Art Brute film feature and you had uh, Greg Hunt, Gregor, narrate it with that awesome voice, why not? He says, and then our main character <laughs> decides to go to sleep. I don't give a shit, that's fantastic. If he's just saying what's happening on the screen, I don't know. Uh, well, at least, he should at least obviously be telling you more than dumps. Yeah, I, I think he should probably be telling you more than what you're seeing. Yeah, he shouldn't be. be. And then he gets out of his car. And then he <laughs> he sure likes walking into that house. I don't know. Saying that out loud, there's a lot of things you could do that would be funny. I know. If it just gets carried away and he goes, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You don't have to. You don't hear anything. <laughs> it just he just looks right down the barrel of the gun. <laughs> right down the, the camera. But it was shocking when he went, just Gonzo just looks right at you and it's just like fourth wall break. He's like, hi, I'm your narrator and I'm going to be telling you this story and Rizzo's here too and we're just going to talk directly at you. And I was just, there was so much about it that felt like, now this was a full like movie, right? It felt like, and I mean, obviously beautifully done, but a lot of the uh, scenes felt like 90s TV movie. Like when you got, Ebony oh, yeah, no, no, this was a full theatrical release. It yeah. was? Okay, right, yeah. that's what I yeah, figured. In the but. theaters, yeah, yeah. It just had that like early 90s made-for-TV movie feel at times. How, how dare you? Like, a, like uh, a Christmas special, you know? No, I know what you mean. I know. Well, like <laughs> I said, and it's, I think, one of the best ones, the 1984 one with uh, George C. Scott, that was made for television. I think it was ABC, but... So, yes. So he says the Marleys are dead, and... Uh, and uh, he, we pick up on him hauling his ass down the street and he goes to, where does he go to? Oh, who, goes, Scrooges? Yeah. Ebenezer's? Um, I don't know. He, they sing some song about him and someone says, <laughs> no, no cheeses for us Mises. That's so funny. I wrote that line. Too. No cheeses for us Mises. Yeah. Because he's and, an um, awful person. I think that's why I don't like musicals because, I mean, obviously it's not... It's not like lazy filmmaking to have your exp- – instead of narration, your exposition dumps are just cr- clever songs. It's not lazy by any means. It's quite a feat to write a uh, song that explains who this character is from the eyes of the rest of the town through choreographed dance and singing. But 
I don't know. It's just, it always seems weird when they're just like, he's a grump, he's a Grinch, he's Ebenezer Scrooge. And then well, it's they funny cut. because you're going to laugh when I say this, but I listen to that and I go, oh, he really didn't like musicals. <laughs> to me, it's just quintessential <laughs> musical. You know? I know. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I mean, I'm sure there's a well, few I, that I really I'm, enjoy, I'm slowly working on a musical or writing one. And I was reading a lot about them. And one of the things they said, which was interesting, is they said, your songs should move the story forward. It shouldn't just be re-explaining something that just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. You don't want, you know, someone to come in and shoot somebody and then they have a whole song about, yeah, you just shot somebody and he shot and he's laying on the ground. It's like, dude, I just saw that. It's like, it needs to be the next scene. But I think in this one, obviously, if no one, if a kid had never, you know, knows nothing about Christmas Carol, which is pretty safe for probably a little kid, they're explaining that the whole town is terrified of this guy. So the second he shows up to Cratchit, you know, Kermit, to deal with him, you already have a whole backstory on, ugh. I mean, literally the t- literally the whole town hates this guy, including the mice. Everybody hates this guy. So it's a pretty good setup to, okay, got it. He's a douchebag. He's a Let's start asshole. our film. He's a total asshole. He's a, he's a total asshole. Because he gets so, in there with poor Cratchit and all his uh, accountants, and he's such a douchebag, and he won't even let them have a little bit of coal for their fire because they're all freezing, and their ink is freezing up and everything, and he's... But, but what's great about Christmas, Christmas Carol, can turn a man like that around. What's great about yet. this, though, <laughs> is like I have to explain why Christmas Carol is fantastic, <laughs> but I will. Is you know, like much like life, it's not as simple as you think. You know, you go back and see this guy's history. You know, the love loss and the fact that if you go deeper into some of the st- story, I mean, he pretty much is abandoned his whole life by his parents. He's being brought up in this boarding school. And at Christmas time, when all the kids go home, he doesn't get picked up by his parents. So Christmas for him is associated with pain and agony. So the one thing that has always elevated him out of everything is trying to be successful at the expense of even his own love life. You know, he has, what's her name, Belle, show up half through this. And she's awesome and beautiful. And she's trying to say, hey, we can have happiness. And he's like, oh, no, I have to be successful. And he drives her away. So everything associated with Christmas has been essentially bullshit in his life. So I think it's kind of a beautiful thing that you get to peel back the onion on this guy. And if you have a good actor like Michael Caine or George C. Scott, you see the pain in their face as they're revealing, oh, fuck. I used to actually be happy once. I forgot all about that. Because let's face it, nothing would hit you harder than if somebody actually got to take you back and show you. You know what I mean? I mean, my God, that would be wonderful and terrifying and saying, oh, you remember this happy moment? You're like, ugh. Especially, you know, these guys are in their 60s. They'll go back to when you're like 21 and go, fuck, I used to be happy? I forgot all about this. Joy? And I think he does a good job in this. Some do, some don't, but there's times where they show him Tiny Tim and he's like, oh, what a meager meal. And it's like, well, bitch, you're paying for this shit. And he's kind of like, ugh. So, I mean, just kind of like, I think a lot of people can be living in their uh, shielded little world and, you know, they don't actually see anything else. But when they're exposed to, you know, what their uh, uh, actions can actually cause, you go, oh, this kind of sucks. It's like, but when the, beginning of this when the guys from the charity come in and he's like my taxes pay for the prisons and stuff and if more people die it's less people to pay for well on paper that's probably easy to get behind but when you physically see it you're like okay i don't want that little kid to die so oh you don't well that's what how this happens like so in a rambling answer can someone be turned around tonight 
probably not in real life, but in in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, they can be. (laughs) It's a tale as old as time. It's a tale of two cities. Yep. (laughs) Tale of two titties. No, wait, not that. (laughs) Children's movie. Um, So, yeah. And they, I, I do really like when they get to, uh, at the end of the Ebenezer song, when he shows up at the bank, they're looking through the window and they're like, this town is dirty. And then uh, he just wipes Takes the Rizzo window with wipes Rizzo. Him down. What does he say? He says, thank you for making me a part of this. That is Abigail's favorite <laughs> line from the whole thing. She sent me a text during it. Thank you for making me a part of this. <laughs> I saw on a video on Facebook the other day, and it was real. I laughed my ass off. This guy, he's like in Chicago somewhere. His car was like under 12 inches of snow, just that fluffy stuff. Mm-hmm. But he picks up like his three-year-old by the jacket and just uses him to just wipe his car down, <laughs> just effortlessly. And the kid just has a look on his face like, man, that's cool. And he just sets him down after the car's cleaned. And the kid, I was like, this is what I love about, especially mm-hmm. when like dads are like, oh, she's this kid here. So he goes in there. Old Mr. Applegate shows up, talk about his mortgage or hasn't paid his rent, and he throws his ass out, literally. That's when you realize you're dealing with Muppets because he literally just picks the guy up and (laughs) chucks his ass, and he says, thank you for not shouting at me. (laughs) Uh, He threatens to fire all the little mice. Yeah. Heat wave! This is my second wave, uh, second favorite characters. The rest of the rats or the mice. Oh, they're great. When they're cleaning up after that scene and doing all the stuff they're doing. It's great. It's great. Well, it's so, what I love about the Muppets is in some ways they're so fucking crude. It's like you see all the, you can see the wires Mm -hmm. and practically tell some characters are just on a stick and they're a little mouse like Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo did, but Rizzo is fucking fantastic. You can see a whole movie of just following Rizzo around and it's a full-blown character. Not not unlike, uh, um, Dark Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> For the Which uninitiated. Yeah. Uh, Dark Rufus was a character that was created for... Um, I'm trying to open up this really loud it, thing because I'm hungry. Well, yeah, you go ahead. Um, was it a bullet for breakfast? Yeah, bullet for or, breakfast. Or no, Kansas Gothic. Kansas Gothic, that's so right. So it was for our film Kansas Gothic. And uh, Wade came over and we sat in my basement and we uh, created a thing that it can only be described as like a... Uh, uh, a, what a, a sock puppet from hell. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was like a sock and hot glue and teeth and like it just uh, feathers and all sorts of stuff. You'll have to uh, check it out. But yeah, um, I like puppetry too. Everything, everything about this, I should love. I like uh, how you, you're <laughs> you're saying all these things you love, but you're like, and then I figure you keep going. But why didn't it work? I'm telling you, I've been asking myself this question for two days now. Uh, There's a lot that I love about this, and puppets are amazing. How do you – I'm going to derail us for a second here and go to the expert. How – I watched some behind the scenes. How the hell do you Muppet? How do you – because some of them have – are those the the hands? Are those the actors, that same actor's hands? Or is this a four-person job when they've got actual hands and when they've got, like, little hands? And Well, I think – I think I could be wrong, but I think some of them, the uh, um, if there's actual hands, I think they do the head in one hand and somebody does the other hand. But uh, I think there's some of them where they do the mouth with one hand and then a piece of wire. They're doing the other hand, but the other hand just isn't doing anything. Right. Because like Gonzo, 
It's kind of like it's like a fake out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just don't pay attention to the other one because the Mm -hmm. other one's going crazy. So basically, they have two hands, one to control the head and the mouth, obviously. And then the other one just to do the hand and the wire, like Kermit and those kind of things. But I think there are cases where somebody else does like the left or right hand for them. I did see they had little bungee things around their head that had the little lav mic. So mm-hmm. that it was right there by their by their head because they're underneath it. Those guys are crazy. I can't. Oh, remember and their the hands names. are up for hours a day, and they're just having a fucking blast. The takes are ended, and they're still in character, and they're still like, "Oh, wait, back to one." Okay. It's crazy to me because I have so many fucking health issues. <laughs> just like I can't imagine being like twelve hours on set and under those lights, wearing half hands the shit up. they have to wear with their hands up all day long. And some of these guys, you know, hell. Some of them retired. I mean, they're in their 60s or 70s still doing this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, my shoulder kills me half the time now. I couldn't <laughs> imagine having it above my head for 12 hours. <laughs> so we get to meet Kermit, who, you know, obviously everyone knows Kermit. But again, you know, having no real access point to them or not a real access point to the Muppets. The second he opens his mouth, I go, oh, Kermit's like the sweetest fucking character on the planet. He's just, excuse me, sir. And the funny this thing is, is the voice, voice back then was still so good. And that's not Jim Henson, you know, because Jim Henson did Kermit. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no oh, idea. yeah. He was Kermit forever. So this is one of the first big outings with the new voice. And I go, oh, that sounds like Kermit. Because yeah. now it's like, it doesn't. I don't know who they're doing now, but it's 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 not terrible, but it's definitely not those guys. But yeah, it, it feels like Kermit. I'm like eating and drinking coffee. It's okay. You're being fine. chill. I'm looking at my notes here. Um, and then we I, I noticed that when Fred, Fred, his nephew, walks into that scene, I said, boy, he looks like a young David Bowie. I never thought that before. Well, I thought he looked really familiar, but um, well, I've seen maybe I didn't stuff, make the Bowie connection. We can keep moving because we've gone over most of this. He does uh, throw a wreath at that poor bunny outside. That's what I was going to mention. That, that, that sad little bunny, he gets his... It turns out okay for him in the end, but that's a that's a weepy one for a lot of people, especially when he's shivering from the cold, trying not to die later. He's like on. homeless. Well, he's homeless, like a but homeless it is Dickens. It's a very Dickens esque scene, that's for sure. I don't know nothing about no Dickens. What I do know is that <laughs> um, the uh, when you get back to Kermit and the rats, and he's like bargaining for a day off. And uh, on Christmas, no less, I was just losing my mind because every time he'd be like, well, uh, we need the whole day off. And they're like, yeah, 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 the whole day. And then Scrooge would be like, the whole day? Are you crazy? And they're like, oh, no, no. It's a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a rat. It was the frog's idea and everything. And they were just like going back and forth and playing both sides. And I just love how they shiver with those little, uh, little tw- quills and stuff. It's so good. I'm totally eating. And there's magic in the air. So then they're closing up the shop. We got one more sleep till Christmas. Maybe the best song in the whole thing, I think. Oh, yeah. It has. Isn't that where they have the uh, the skating penguin? So it's a whole it's a whole citywide, let's have some fun. Yeah, Kermit and, skates, too. Kermit skates and Gonzo and Rizzo skate. Everybody skates. I feel like there was a lot of this film that was, um, it was them going, okay, we know what we can do with the Muppets. 
what can't we do and let's figure it out and i think oh, like that showing that was full re- body yeah i think that was re- showing full body uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the muppets after dark um, full body muppets <laughs> You've never seen their crotches before. Just I just put your animal all like this hairy. Nah, you're gonna see it all. It's full body Muppets after dark. I'd make a Gonzo joke, but it's too easy. Um, it's too easy. So uh, yeah, they every time they did something in the film, it was it was actually. I mean, it was honestly it was hard to keep up with um, because there's so much to take in in the city. And I'm trying to write notes and stuff like that, but there's so much to take in. But when they do something like Kermit skates across full body or the guys go sledding down the hill and uh, I don't know, it's pretty cool. You go, oh, wonder how they did that. Yeah. It's, well, uh, this is 92. Pretty magical. And I mean, they had some special effects back then, but not nearly like they do now. I mean, now everything, obviously, you just go, oh, it's CGI. But no, I think they, I mean, they did a lot of green screen in this. So I assume it was probably that. Where they superimposed it, you know, mm-hmm. someone probably just, just had wires, but no, it looks, it holds up today. You know, I mean, there's stuff in it. It's low fi for sure. But I think when you nail it, it's like, it doesn't matter. I mean, even Jurassic Park or, you know, things that are classics, it's like, you might know the CGI is not as good as it is today, but if you have a really, really great film, we always go back to it. But I mean, nothing probably looks more fake than Jaws, but the freaking movie still holds up. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. So, I think to me, this film works so well. And it's a nice thing for them is they're the Muppets. I mean, the whole point of the Muppets is pretty lo-fi. If you see a wire or a string hanging off somebody, someone doesn't go, I can see that wire. It's like fucking Muppets. You know, they got wires on their ang- or on their wrist, mm-hmm. you know, controlling them. So most people aren't going in to be like, fake. It's like, yeah, it's clearly fake. They're all made out of felt. But that's what's Boom. so fascinating about it is how realized fully realized these characters are that even though you see all the strings and the wires and all that sort of stuff, you just accept a a reality that they're totally real and they're just actors. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it's funny because crazy. The only time I ever kind of really looked at the making of them was when Scrooge goes back to his childhood and his old schoolmaster was Sam the Eagle. I remember looking and thinking, oh, I never noticed Sam was so uh, like foam based. <laughs> you know, his face yeah. looked foamier than the rest. But that was the only time I caught myself kind of not really being taken out of it, but looking at that, you know, the fact that they're puppets, you mm-hmm. know, they're hand built. But other than that, special, especially uh, Rizzo and uh, Charles Dickens and Cratchit, you know, even the mice, it's like, they're just hilarious characters. You know, you don't think about there's somebody underneath them controlling them and they couldn't be, especially the rats like Rizzo. They couldn't, like I said, it, it, it's, it's, it's clear that it's like a stick or they just pull something down the bottom jaw goes, but as long as it's funny and the voice is great, you don't give a shit. I'd love to, you know, we joke about our little dark Rufus, but I'd like to push that kind of stuff more have Mm -hmm. a character or two that actually does talk and have them interact because to me, if you just lean into it and believe it, I think it's, there's not, I know I'm going on a tangent or going full circle, but to me, that's why this movie works so well is it is everything that filmmaking at its core is. And and for you, it's not unlike what Evil Dead 2 is. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is filmmaking 101. 
This is the basics of special effects. Most of it's in camera. We didn't fix it in post, you know, and I feel like with a movie like this, other than a green screen, it's pretty much what you see is they shot. I mean, the other thing that's so cool about the sets is it's all this insane force perspective. Yeah. So if you look at a wide shot, you'll notice there's no people down the road because the, <laughs> yeah. they have a force perspective. So if people were standing back too far, they'd be towering over the skyline. So they have to kind of keep close to the camera because they have all this force perspective. And the first time I watched it, probably never paid attention to that. Now I watch that stuff and it's like, oh, that's clearly a set, but it's so magical. It's what I love about like Pee Wee's Christmas special and all those kind of things. I love the, you know, I've always said before we die, we've talked about this many times. I'd like to do a half hour art brute film Christmas special and have a crude mm -hmm. set with fake snow outside the window and have characters that come on with sweaters and, you know, deliver lines and puppets and have it be probably safe enough. And it could be weird because it's our brute film, but let us that people say, we watch it every year. My kids have yes. that Christmas special. And have, I would love that. Nothing makes me happier. I probably, that would be right up there with having, I mean, if we're going to talk, if you're really going to push it, the only thing that would be equally as awesome is an art brute film Halloween special where mm -hmm. you get to push in on the castle at the beginning that's obviously a set, <laughs> yes. you know, with like bad fog. I love that stuff. I think that's why this movie... I mean, I would love to see the Muppets do something Halloween and do all that stuff because it's just like, <gasps> kind of the more fake it is, the more exciting it is. I just like, I like artists crafting things. That that brings me joy. We need a, we need like a big old warehouse where we can just oh build God. sets and. We need a lot of things. <laughs> we need to win the lottery. <laughs> we don't need anything. We've got each other. We've got each other. We've got um, Christmas. So this is the point where they go to Scrooge's house, and that's when they're looking up that he says, I keep telling you, storytellers are omniscient. I know everything. He goes, how does he do that? Because he goes, then he turns on his light, and it goes, ding. He goes, how did he do that? <laughs> but that's where he gets that's to the door, result. and Scrooge looks at his doorknob, and Marley goes, <laughs> and those are the guys. From the balcony, right? What's that? Those are the guys from the balcony. Yes. Right? Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. They are now, they are now uh, Jacob and Robert. And this is the first time I ever put two together that Robert is short for Robert is Bob. So it's Bob Marley. Right. Never, I never caught that before. Well, and did they just make it two for this movie because they had to have yes. it be the two characters? Yeah. It was always just, just Jacob, Jacob Marley. Marley. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think it's funny that they um, let's have them both show up. Yeah, yeah they're partners. really cool. They're really cool looking. Um, I like how they blended them in with the kind of uh, uh, that that kind of like fifty percent opacity or something. Oh yeah, they yeah, were yeah. Just Which kind would be real simple to do in Premiere. Even you just throw it on like a screen, and yeah, yeah, it'd be real easy. But it looks great. And that song, Marley and Marley. Boy, if there's any song that probably gets stuck in your head, it's Marley and Marley. Ooh, Marley and Marley. <laughs> And it sounds like a pirate song or something. It does Yeah, get your ale and get <laughs> fucked up and drink uh, Marley or sing Marley and Marley as you get fucked up. Marley and Marley. Marley. <laughs> I always was a big fan because I'm probably drawn to this, but that was always one of my favorite things about Christmas Carol is seeing the inside of Scrooge's house for the first time. Because <laughs> it's very low light, you know, flames, goth. 
it just has that kind of, and then when the first, uh, when Marley shows up the first time and some of them, it's really creepy because, you know, he takes his, he's got his head wrapped and he takes his head wrap off and his jaw drops really <laughs> low. Like he has to kind of click it back into place. And of course, terrifying because can you imagine a dead friend of yours visiting you in the middle of the night while you're laying in bed you'd be like Oy. so it's pretty terrifying at its core obviously they make a more of a joke out of it but i like that uh he now knows that uh the ghosts are going to come visit and uh oh that's right around the time where isn't that where uh dickens and rizzo go through the bars that big joke which i like when he jumps off the top of the um. gate Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That happens next. I love uh, that. He does. I do like that. Before that happens, I do like that. Uh, he says, "They're like you're going to be visited by three ghosts," and uh, he says, "Can I meet them all at once and just get it over with?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, that's a pretty that's a pretty relatable line. I love it. It's like just have like, them harass me real quick and can I have to one? Can I just be haunted all at once? Yeah, so, that we can so just, I can get back to sleep." Come on, to the bottom let's, of let's, this. Let's move forward on this goddamn thing. <laughs> I got to work tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, Rizzo, uh, Rizzo's jump, that was that was pretty goddamn cute. And he goes, I missed. Then he goes back to get his jelly beans, and he just goes under the bars. That's where he, he just, kisses him. That's where he says. He goes. He realizes he could have just went through the bars, and he says something to him, and then Rizzo just goes, kisses him on his face. Aww. He did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he basically says. He says something to him like, you're impossible. And then he just kisses him. And then we meet probably my favorite ghost, which is Christmas past. Because, That's one creepy looking fucking Well, it's creepy, but ghosts. I guess I don't find – most people say it's creepy. I really like that it's a little girl, has a great British accent that's, to me, very soothing, which makes it kind of even more eerie. Because mm-hmm. her – Little British forces sang these things to him. And you can feel like he's kind of like, oh, shit, this is real. And uh, But the way they shot the puppet underwater to get those kind of ethereal hair and uh, her cloth and everything, it's really cool. And I've never seen uh, Ghost of Christmas Past, to me, look any better than that as far as kind of juxtaposing it against Christmas Present with the uh, Know me better, man. And uh, oh my god, <laughs> it's yeah. So we get into Christmas past. They take out flying. They go to his uh his school, his school past, which is fun to watch them all flying and everything. Again, back to basic special effects. I enjoy that. I like yeah. that they drug uh, Dickens and Rizzo through the trees. I thought that was. I think that's still funny every time that they're just she's flying beautifully over the top of the trees, dragging them going. Eh. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of old gags, like old timey almost yes, yes, jokes yes. or gags in here it's, that you've seen before, and you go, okay, that was well executed. Kudos to oh, you. Yeah, it's good. yeah, I was they, it was really close all the behind the scenes on on that flying stuff, and it was kind of crazy how they had them crashing into real parts of the set and stuff. And oh yeah, you know, they were filming it on a green screen. You know, they were still acting it out, and um, you know, practically, which is just crazy like i said it seems like every scene in this film was probably just one big puzzle it was just like problem solving i'm doing my i'm having my blanket issue in the back of my chair again this is going to be a podcast regular we're gonna have to get you it looks like a whole new setup you get a new uh, chair that's got a built-in blanket this works really well until it starts to fall and i'm not paying attention because usually right. I have pay attention then I go oh shit so I'm right. this is that time of the episode where Wade fixes his fixes blanket. blanket it's on the back of his fucking chair there we go 
Are you ready to Like I said, I wouldn't have all this if I wasn't working if I wasn't working from home. But when I sit here all day, I started going, you know, it'd be nice to have some little more back support on this stupid fucking thing. Yes, I think that uh some of the gags that they uh did in this, they uh are, you know, they're obviously uh doing it for the children, but it works. Makes me makes me laugh. So we get to the past, and this is where it gets kind of real because you start realizing, oh, he had a pretty fucking sad life. This isn't just a guy who had everything handed to him like Donald Trump and decides to be a fucking douchebag. He's a uh, uh, he's kind of had a shitty life, and uh, you can kind of see now when you have the reality presented to us and him that it's like, well, doesn't mean he had to go the way he did, <laughs> but you realize he has a very fucked up association with Christmas. And everybody running into the school going, come on, yay! And he's kind of like, uh, yeah, I got to stay here like he has a choice. He's basically abandoned by his family to sit alone at Christmas says, every year, which is heartbreaking. Can you imagine as a kid if your family just kind of didn't bother to worry about you every Christmas? Yeah. He'd get to a point where it'd be like, uh, Christmas is associated with pain. He says, who cares about stupid old Christmas? I think you would be that way. I feel that way about certain things that I have association with. It's like, hey. so, so is he? Uh, so is he like somewhat reasonable throughout the rest of the year? He's just extra crotchety around Christmas, or does I he think always? That, I think that I've never really thought about this before, so I'm just barfing this out loud. But I think uh, financial success has become his security blanket. To you know, so as long as he stays super successful, he's controlling everything. And pretty much everybody around him saying, you know, what's the what's the point if you're, a, you know, basically a miserable asshole? And I don't think he sees it that way. I think he thinks everybody's kind of libtards, you know, they're bleeding heart liberals. And this is the problem with the world is that, you know, everybody's being these whiny little, you know, huggy, kissy babies. And if they would, everybody would kind of suck it up and, you know, work 80 hours a week and not complain so much, we'd all be happy. And it's like, uh, dude, you're miserable. You're making everyone around you fucking miserable. So this is the antithesis to Krampus because at the end you go, oh, thank God. You know, when you embrace what Christmas is and the Christmas spirit and giving, what I liked about the George C. Scott 1984 one, which they didn't do in this one, is they go on a little farther than they showed that uh, uh, Ebenezer becomes like a second dad to Tiny Tim and, you know, is there for him as, you know, the rest of his life. I mean, Eben, you know, becomes close and it's all about family and being there for each other. And it just seems a little more, this one got kind of tied up fairly quickly. They mentioned it like very quickly. Yeah, he kind of runs to the streets and just says, I'm fine. And here's your raise in a chicken, uh, the chicken turkey. Christmas turkey, excuse me, and they all go, hooray, and that's it, which is fine. But I kind of liked in the George C. Scott one, you're like, oh, you kind of get to feel that it's like, oh, he, you know, he kept this going the rest of his life. And because I've thought this a thousand times, if you were Jeff fucking Bezos, I mean, the money he's made since this pandemic has started, I mean, it is tens of billions of dollars. He could wake up tomorrow and say, I want to give every one of my employees a $50,000 bonus, every single one, you know, and I want to do this and I want to do this. Well, first of all, I know you already know this probably, but you know that he recently went through a divorce and his wife got tens of billions of dollars and she keeps referring to it as draining the safe. 
she's been she's going to give away every fucking penny that she she took 50% of his bullshit. Oh wow. <laughs> and she's giving it all to charity. And she's been doing it. Hell, even United Way or United Way Goodwill Industries, you know, a friend of ours works for. She said they just got a $5 million donation from her. She's just giving it to all the charities because she's like, I don't need this money. This is ridiculous. And to me, it's like, good for you. Jeff Bezos does not need, he's worth $200 billion, by the way. I bet he could live off $2 billion pretty comfortably. But he worked he won't. Wade, he worked very hard for that money. Okay, he gets his 200 billion. But can you imagine if you woke up like Ebenezer (laughs) and said, I'm only going to keep 10 billion. I'm going to donate 190 billion back to society. No, he he could get, all of us could get a check. He could rebuild every school highway system. I mean, he could feed everybody. He he personally could eliminate, I mean, it's insane. But Willie, no, he needs needs his own space company. It's like, fuck. Yeah. We got to get space one way or another. You look at this and you're like, why didn't somebody do this? I mean, I know some Our planet is dying. We got to go to another one. Yeah. Well, there's a, (laughs) that's kind of a tell old as time as the rich people finding a new place to live because they fucked up the one they're from. So enough of that. (laughs) Yeah. Enough of that. Business. 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 Why did he put so much emphasis on that? Was that really driving home the point of of uh, of care about business? I think he's That's the only yeah, thing that, that he said he learned. He said I learned my my greatest uh, lesson from him, and that it's all about business. And he says it's the American way. And he goes, I mean, it's the British way. I love how great. when that scene opens up, you get that amazing shot of like the busts of like uh, <laughs> just like panning over and like stuff like that there. pans over. Yeah, and then it just pans over to uh, Dickens and Rizzo, and yeah, I just then they press the, the time gag- it, the shelf breaks and it's like squishing them. It's a gag like that that you just go. It's classic. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. And so that's much. technically <laughs> not a pan. What is that? Is that a tracking? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you you're right. right? Um, I think that's tracking. tracking. No, you're right. Because a dolly or zoom is in and out and tracking's left and right. But anyway, I only said that. And the pan is just turning. Turning, right? right. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw a meme once that said when a client's helping you direct, (laughs) everything's panning. Mm -hmm. You pan over? Can you pan under? Can you pan through? Can you pan? That's the only word they know. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, yes, that whole scene is, I think them showing uh, Dickens or, yeah, excuse me, Scrooge growing up is pretty awesome. Because we finally get to my favorite thing in it is Fozzie Wig's Rubber Chicken Factory. Because I didn't catch that until the second chickens, time. Which is great. What's that? I didn't catch that till the second viewing. Oh, the, that it's Rubber that it Chicken Factory? Rubber Chicken Factory. Yeah, they're <laughs> hanging covered everywhere. covered in rubber chickens. I'm telling you, it's too much to take in in this movie. You can't it's a watch lot. it all. It, it's a lot of death. Like, but when you see how many people made it, you're like, well, no wonder there's so much shit going on in a good way. People are no, like, I'm going to handle these one of 280 characters. We finally meet Belle, the beautiful, wonderful Belle, who should have been the love of his life, but he pretty much, uh, you know, falls for her at the dance. You can see it, and then uh, uh, he allows business to take over. That's why and, I. Uh, that's when I put '90s made-for-TV movie vibe was Scrooge meets Belle. I don't know. It must have been something about like once you get enough human actors on the screen, you go, "Wait, what's happening?" What's, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I didn't know this till somebody, uh, I think her name's Laurel. She's not going to listen to this. I always feel bad when I do a shout out and it's like not going to hear it. But she wrote, oh, I hate that they cut out. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a love song when they go to do the uh, kind of the 
out in the snow where he's basically breaking up with Belle, they sing to each other and they cut it out of the theatrical uh, um, cut when they put it in the theaters. And Brian Henson said something like they, the studio thought it might be a little too adult for kids because it's basically about a man and a woman professing their love. But apparently she said the VHS copy she had as a kid had it on there. And she goes, wait, I've watched this thing 50 times. So now when I watch it and it's not on there, I go, why'd you cut that song? But she, you know, I went and found it on YouTube and watched it. It does give a little bit more gravity to their love affair because they just cut it. You know, she kind of talks to him about how he keeps pushing back their wedding date and he's obviously never going to marry her. Next thing you know, they just kind of cut Scrooge back in his bed and you kind of go, yeah, the song probably because he sings it. And then I think Michael Caine steps in and sings the rest of it with her. Mm. So it's kind of showing his love for her and missing her. But anyway, glossed over would be helpful. And I think the Fodzie wig scene is one of my favorites because obviously it's kind of traditionally what you'd like to think Christmas should be is not about business and everything and everybody just having a good time and don't have to worry about COVID and you can just eat all the food that sings at you, the grapes, the singing grapes. and Never eat singing food. My mother never, always told me that. Yeah, my mother always said, I'm the one of, I got, what was it, 1,762 brothers and sisters. Wow, you really, rats really don't understand these things. Yeah, that's such a weird line. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, there's you that many a, rat. You get a classic animal drum solo, which I'm always in for. Then it goes straight into the festive music. But yeah, that's a great scene. I love that Fozzie is basically, his wife is Fozzie in drag because it's literally (laughs) exactly the same with a wig on. And uh, I like that they have uh, Marley and Marley as children and all they do is have black hair. They're still old men. It's just like so creepy because they didn't even try to de-age them. They just took the same puppets and put a wig on it, which makes me laugh because they're like, oh, it's the young Marley and Marley. And it's like, bitch, they just got... They just look like old guys that dye their hair, which I swear I'll never <laughs> Those do. Those ain't no Muppet babies. That's no Muppet baby. Make a younger one. Cassandra, no, looked, up, Cassandra looked up the Muppet Babies song because she was like, oh, my God, Muppet Babies. And she is. She, we were listening to it on YouTube, and it's like, Muppet Babies. They go around. They do all sorts of crazy things, you know. And, the, and uh, I was like, what is the Muppet Babies song to the tune of, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like Grease!" And it's like, um, "Oh fuck, what's the Grease song?" It's like, uh, "Rama Lama Dinga Da Dingy Dong." Oh yeah, I remember that. We go together, like oh, we go together, Muppet Babies. <laughs> it's hard because, well, we only have three people listening to this. I've been doing these songs with Noel where I just make up stuff and then he plays along. I'm pretty excited to hear what he comes up with this one, but it's hard to not come up with melodies that aren't based on another melody because your brain instantly wants to just mimic something you already mm-hmm. know. And chances are, I mean, the uh, uh, we're in denial for Christmas. It's probably... Whatever I'm singing has probably been done a million times, but it's not like someone's going to sue us. What do they fucking care? Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I really loved the costumes in the Bell breakup scene. I thought that that was really beautiful. I did think it that seems seemed really short, so that makes I'm sense the that there is something. Podcast, and then I will look at your email exclamation point. <laughs> I'm so excited exclamation point. <laughs> I'm doing voice to text. Sorry. 
Go back to what you were saying. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. It's <laughs> too funny. <laughs> um, I was saying that I really enjoyed the costumes in the bell scene. Um, th- everything in this, you know, in the Dickens story is, uh, seems to happen, you know, pretty sequentially. And, and you know, the one thing leads into the next. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess his his love for Bell. I guess I didn't quite understand it. So maybe maybe there wasn't. Well, I will say this. I will say this. It was the past. I will say this is that when I was watching it this time in particular, I probably wasn't in the right state of mind as I usually am back to our original conversation. But I do remember thinking, boy, they don't hit on this very well. I mean, not well, but not very long. I mean, she shows up and it's like, it seems like 30 seconds later, it's like, well, you fucked that up. Anyway, back to... You know. Actually, the worst part about that whole thing was sold by Michael Caine in one line where he says, don't show me that Christmas. Right. And it's like you saw the look in his eyes where you yes. go, Jesus Christ. And then he's just like, well, you know, dear the banks and everything. And I'm just going, okay. Well, I think he did a good job of realizing that it's haunted in him his whole life. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, fuck, I've thought about that day forever because <clears throat> as a single man myself, you know, it's, and I don't, I'm not saying that I have an example of this, but, you know, the last thing you want is that you look back and go, ah, fucked up. That was dumb or I should have handled that better. And at the time, obviously, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He thought he was being smart and, you know, mm-hmm. folk, he kept saying, I'm doing this for us. And she's kind of like, I'm not concerned about the bullshit that you're concerned about, you know. I want to get married and have kids. And he's like, one more year, one more year, one more year. And she was right to move on. I've seen, oh, I must be, I keep mixing them up. I know it's not this one. George C. Scott has one where they have her later in the movie, Belle, with her new husband and kids. And he says, guess who I bumped into today? And she's like, who? She's like, someone from your past. And I think she even goes, Ebenezer Scrooge? And he's like, yeah. And he basically goes, he doesn't, doesn't look too good. <laughs> like things. And she's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's too bad. You know, he was a good guy at the time, but he can tell that it's kind of stuck with her too. So anyway, I think that they probably could have hit that a little bit more. But now knowing what I'm knowing, they might have been like, well, this is for kids and they won't understand this. I said something to that Laurel that posted about that song on Facebook. And I said that Brian Henson said we didn't put it in because we thought it might be too emo- uh, emotionally advanced or adult for kids. And she was like, that's ridiculous. You know, I watched it my whole childhood and I loved it. You know, I wasn't like, I don't get it. It's like, well, why? Like, like a kid doesn't understand what love is. Right. Or was, was it, was it risque? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's not like he says, I like to bang you in the snow, you know, and they go, oh, that's oh, a real oh, ditty right there. That's a, that's a I jingle. Wanna, I want to, I want to make, I want to make a snow angel out of you. Wink, wink. No, he's basically, yeah, I don't get why a love song is too much for kids, but anyway, so, then so they he, ends up, he ends up back in his place and then we get a, 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 a Christmas present. And how great is that character? Yeah, like the Come most in and know me better, man. Yeah, like the most advanced uh, Muppet at the time or something. Oh, yeah, like it's all animatronics. Animatronics and, and all sorts of stuff. Look like a dwarf or a hobbit or something. Like it, it, it made me want to see a Lord of the Rings, but just puppets, like Muppet Lord of the Rings. Or you something. mean like, I don't know, Dark Crystal? What's that? <laughs> you know, no, so actually, kind of that, fantasy and blah blah blah. But the Muppets make it 
You mean something called like Dark Crystal? <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. They should do that. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Um, Did you not? Oh, you have Netflix. You didn't watch the, the series? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, oh I have zero connection to Jim Henson. You don't have to watch the original. It's but weird. if you watch the series, it's mind-blowing. The one they just made like two years ago, mm-hmm. Age of Resistance, it's extremely good. And I mean, that, I think you'd love it. I thought the... Um, that's I kind of noticed earlier that the underwater, the ghost of Christmas past, she had that kind of look to her, which is like this kind of dead. Oh, I know what you're look. saying. I the, don't know. Uh, um, or crystal. Uh, the why can't the the gelflings? Yeah, yes, she did the gelflings. Yeah. yeah. No, you should watch the new one. It's 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 insane. I mean, they go for it. It's good. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt I just, it. It always – and it works as a prequel. I've never been a big fan of prequels because it's kind of like, well, we know it happens. I'd much rather see what happens in the future, but this is pretty great. Anyway, so uh, we get a Christmas present, and uh, we get the wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. Oh, my God. Wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. I think that's so – maybe you don't have any love in your life. So Coco, sickeningly sweet. Coco. <laughs> I got nothing but love. Yeah, nothing but love. Visit Fred and wife Clara. I love the Muppets in the scene with Fred and wife Clara at their house because they are pigs and straight up monsters. I I, I wanted to mention the monsters. And it's just so funny. I love that in their world, it's just like they're having a party and there's pigs and they cut across and it's just full blown monsters and no one thinks twice about it. And they are just talking shit. Yeah, they are doing the game on the the Scrooge game on guess what I'm talking about. And it's basically like, he's a giant piece of shit. And they're like, I know it's Ebenezer Scrooge. And they go, ha, 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 ha. So, and, George, and, uh, and Michael Caine kind of has a, God damn, motherfucker, burn my ass. I know. <laughs> Do you think that he has any delusions that people actually like him? Yes. Really? I think that's the whole point, is that I think that, uh, I mean, I, obviously he's a curmudgeon. He doesn't think that people just worship him. But I don't think to the degree. I mean, to fast forward at the end when they have the spider, you know, they're pawning all his uh, dead items. And before that, all the, uh, I think they're pigs, but they're all talking about the guy that died. And the only reason they'd go to the funeral is if there's food being served. Mm-hmm. And he says, who are they talking about? And he's like, he finally realizes they might be talking about him. But yeah, I think he's in total denial that, who is this awful person? Boy, that poor sap, you know, not instead of, of course it's me. You know, it's funny because pre getting better, it reminded me of Donald Trump all the time. I think Donald Trump thinks a lot of people just love him and worship him. And it drives him crazy that people don't just idolize him. Obviously that's why he's the evil piece of shit that he is, is because everything he does is for, you know, vanity. I mean, he's such a narcissist that it's all about him. And I think up until this point, what I love about this story is I don't think uh, um, Scrooge is that far gone because you obviously keep seeing glimmers of him being bothered by the things he's seeing. But he's allowed himself to become so uh, detached from reality that, you know, when it's most people you would think when they hear people talking about he died, thank God, they probably think that's me. <laughs> they're talking about me. <laughs> yeah. And he he clearly seems like he's like, gosh, that poor bastard. I wonder who they're talking about. And it's like, you dumbass. Why the fuck would Christmas future be showing somebody oh else's my- future? This is your future, idiot. But he, oh I think God. he also knows it, which is why when he's in the cemetery, he's kind of like, eh, is this the future that has to happen or can I basically change it? 
So I he, think he, um, what if, what if you get a, a Christmas miracle and Trump just overnight just realizes that, you know, it's not all about the greed Too and bad. the money. Too bad. Damage and, is done. Fuck and it. <laughs> but Christmas. He's not, he's not our president anymore. <laughs> Fuck him. January 20th. Take him to but prison. But what about Christmas? It can Fuck change it. anyone. I would never believe Trump in a million years. <laughs> After all the things he'd done, if he came out and said, now, if he actually came out and said, I've been an awful, terrible person, and here's all the things I've done, and actually some money. it. Well, I think there'd at least be a part of me going, oh, at least he can announce it, but he's incapable. I mean, he's incapable of, I remember when he was running, a reporter asked him, I, they said, would you ever, you know, admit if you were wrong? And he said, sure. And I said, can you admit now one time in your life you were wrong about something? He had to think about it. And he said, I honestly can't think of any time I was ever wrong. And I was like, Lord, there's your answer right there. (laughs) Guy's 70 years old and he's saying, 70 years, I can't imagine ever doing anything wrong. Fuck him. (laughs) Um, Did you know, uh, did you notice that Kermit is wearing a Freddy Krueger scarf? Throughout no. the majority of this movie. That's awesome. Look, it's, red and it's green. on your screen. Yeah, it's like red and green. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Those are Christmas colors. Yeah. It's funny. I have it's my I have Freddy. myself so small I can't see myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, you make yeah, yourself yeah. teeny. Uh, I only watch myself. I don't even look at you on Zoom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to look at myself. All Everything red on my face gets... Why like did I write Peter? Oh, uh, oh, um, a Miss Piggy. Peter! Kind of reminds me of Moira from Schitt's Creek. David! <laughs> yeah, we Ms. go to Bob Piggy's Cratchit's awesome. house and see Miss Piggy, who's freaking awesome. I like her scary children. I think the best part about Miss Piggy is the, um, like the media, like the interviews and stuff that they would do <laughs> with them about the movie and behind the scenes. Cause she's incredible. She's just and like, she's basically, I felt I should have had a bigger part. Clearly they're intimidated by me. <laughs> she's great through this, especially at the end when, uh, Scrooge shows up and she confronts him and like throws Kermit out of the way. <laughs> I mean, literally she's, like, only thing you're going to get is an uppercut. She does that kind of, but they literally have this boom as Kermit like hits the doorway. It's like poor abused Bob Cratchit. We were, I was watching uh, one of those behind the scenes things and Kermit was like, no, let's be clear. We are only husband and wife in the Yeah. And he was like, not. It's funny. Over and over again, he's just kind of like, I don't want to marry this crazy bitch. It's like, you've been with her for 40 years. You should probably marry. No. My God. Put a ring on it. You Dumb piece of shit. I don't know how to sing it. We need Aaron O'Neill. If you like it, then hang on it. Tiny, we see sad Tiny Tim, who is so awesome. That's where he says, it's such a meager meal. It's like, you paid for it, Scrooge. Fucking idiot. Then Tiny Tim sings. You kind of hear about his fate, that he does die. And you can see... uh, um, you can see Michael Caine's pain in his face because he's a hell of an actor. That's why he's an Academy Award winner. So you see it all starting to creep in that maybe uh, maybe he should rethink some of this bullshit that he does. And this is the point where Gonzo and Rizzo are kind of like, this is getting creepy. We're getting the fuck out of here, which I think is kind of nice. We'll come back at a different time, which I always think is kind of a cool thing. Like, let's not screw this up with goofy narration. Let's just let death 
talk to Scrooge in the cemetery. And I've always wanted, um, I've always wanted, uh, I've always wanted, uh, 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 sorry, my phone keep buzzing. I've always wanted death. I'm okay. If I, my brain goes somewhere else, remind me that I'm talking about death. Okay. I've always, if I had all the time in the world, money in the world, my health was perfect, blah, 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 blah. I would love to do an art brute film take on a Christmas Carol. Cause I wrote a script. This is trademark and it's 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 registered with the Writers Guild. So if you steal this, anybody, I want you to know it's registered with Writers Guild. But I wrote a script about 30 years ago called It's a Wonderful Death, feature film. And it was a mixture of It's a Wonderful Life meets Christmas Carol. And so I've always been fascinated about kind of the ghosts visiting and showing the past, present, and the future and all that stuff. But anyway, if you were to do a somewhat straight ahead take on a Christmas Carol, one of the things I've always been fascinated by is their portrayal of Christmas future, which is always death. They don't say it, but it's Christmas mm-hmm. future. And it dawned on me that I wasn't always, was a little disappointed in this one, but it, this was the first time it hit me. I was like, you know, this is G-rated. They can't exactly have a skull creeping out from underneath the hood. You and I would make it that way because I'd have Ryan A. Johnson playing it, you know, with long fingers and... Yes. And have the face with the teeth, you know, and all this stuff, and the wind blowing and the snow. And but I mean, you can do that. I'm not saying you can't, but if you're making it as a G rated film, I can see the Muppets going, uh, we don't want kids to have nightmares. So yes. I think death was done well considering they were trying to be somewhat safe with it. Yeah, because it still looks like death, but it kind of almost looked like a gargoyle or something. Yeah, it had human hands or flesh hands. It wasn't just bones. Or like a statue, not a gargoyle. Um, So it's almost like a statue come to life or something. It's very, very cool. Um, Yeah, no, I think it works. The only thing that bothers me is in some of the wide shots, he has this big body and short little stubby legs. (laughs) It's like, couldn't you just got a taller actor and made that thing about three foot taller than Scrooge? That was my only problem with it. Yeah. It seemed uh, a little like, well, I'm all upper body with my dinky little legs. <laughs> um, what was it? I kept thinking of because uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm not super connected to the actual Christmas Carol itself either. Um, but I kept thinking I was like, what's my favorite version of it? And I kept coming back to this is not a good answer, but I kept coming back to Scrooged with bill murray no i'm with you and um if i remember correctly that had a pretty terrifying moment where death shows up and i was just like i remember being a kid and just being like jesus fucking christ well freaky here's the thing you're talking about scrooged yeah um i had not seen it i probably have missed some but last i think it was last year you know everybody I think I might ask Facebook what your face, favorite Christmas carol was. Anyway, ton of people was that one. And I finally was like, Jesus, well, I fucking love Bill Murray. And I mm-hmm. love is it Kate Allen. God, I wish I could remember her name, but she's the love interest. Oh, right. So I watched it because I, I think she's the same one that's Indiana Jones' love interest in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. But anyway, <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, getting to the point, I watched it. And it's a very late 80s and early 90s. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's all like. And so there's some points and I was like, (sighs) didn't work for me. But again, I'm not. Well, I'm not endeared to it because I think most people's 
reason they love some films is that they have a history with it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it takes me back to the first time I saw it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which uh, um, I remember, so I liked it. There were things about it I really liked, but there were some I was kind of like, again, and I don't say this with any arrogance. I really don't, but you, I'm sure you do it all the time. There's things where you're like, oh, I wish they had done this. Why didn't they do this? I wish they addressed this because obviously very talented people involved, but he was kind of such a douchebag. I don't, I just don't, I'd have to rewatch it, but mm-hmm. I remember it not working for me and I wanted it to work for me. And it was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, I guess people are really okay. Wasn't about uh, to go on Facebook and go, you're all fucking idiot. This movie <laughs> sucks. Not that I'm not afraid to do that, but like Boz Lerman's, uh, 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 Moulin Rouge, which is the worst film ever made. That film fucking sucks. <laughs> Welcome to the Moulin Rouge Hour, folks. And la- The Last Jedi with the other Ryan Johnson, the evil Ryan Johnson, not our sweet Ryan Johnson I'm talking to right now. What's well, a Star Wars? <laughs> That's okay. No idea. It's best that you just <laughs> stay there. Let's um, go back to... So, death... That's when we, the two things we already talked about, that's when he takes him to the street and he sees the old guys talking about the curmudgeon that died and thank God, and they wouldn't go to his stupid funeral unless they fed him. And then they go to that really one of my favorite scenes where he goes to the guy who's paying for the stuff that's being pawned in the uh, kind of skid row. And it's this creepy spider guy, which is fantastic. Yeah, I I dubbed him Alley Spider. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just weird. He's great. Well, that's what's, to me, what's so, I know we already talked about it, but so great about the Muppets is they can just go, how about it's a T-Rex? It's just, <laughs> okay. They don't, they just crawl cool. in a character and no one goes, why is that a, should it? Okay. And there's no question of, it's like, there's horses in this, Muppet horses. And the next thing you know, there's real horses that go by. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Fake or are they Muppet? Nope. Doesn't matter. Because I'm sure I didn't pay attention, but I'm sure there's human Muppets in this thing too, right? In some of the shots. Um, They're not all just creatures. I think so. Gotta, I mean, there is in That's the Muppet question. world. I mean, some of them are supposed to be quote unquote humans. Right. Like you're the Professor guys that Honeydew. Were coming by. Is that the guy that hangs oh, out? Oh, yeah. 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 The charity guy. That's supposed to be a human. Right. There you go. They're, they're not humans. They're Muppets. They're Muppets. So let's go to the cemetery. That's where we're at pretty much at this point, which is a beautiful scene. And I've always been a big fan of any of the Christmas carols where he wipes the snow away and sees his fucking name. Because I can't imagine anything be too creepy than wiping it back and seeing Ryan Johnson and the date of your birth and your death. And you go, what? But you skipped Cratchit's house with like the most heartbreaking um, line, which is, uh, uh, Tiny Tim always loved watching the ducks, so I buried him on a hill. Oh, that's the scene. Watch yeah. the ducks, and that's where I'm the other saying, one of his brothers says, uh, "Daddy has been fuck. walking home slower these last couple of days." Ugh. Yeah, yeah and he goes, uh, "Oh, this is Bob Cratchit's place. It's quiet. Oh, Why yeah. is it so quiet?" You're right. I forgot that scene was there. It's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. You lost Tiny Tim. You can't have a song about two two consenting adults loving each other, but lay on the child death. And show the crutch. It's permanently on the wall and where he used to sit. So the point of that is, is oh, and then, oh, my God, if, if, if there aren't truer words for how I live my life, life is made up of meetings and partings. 
that is the way of it. And I was like, I heard that line. I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. I I feel like the last few years I've been going through that observation. You and I have talked about that. It's like you get used to anybody. Well, I'll tell this story publicly because it it has to to do with Ryan and I. I told Ryan once, Ryan used to be on Facebook all the time, like I am. And like the one comment I can almost almost always expect was from Ryan Johnson without even thinking. He'd be like, fuck yeah, woo! I'm like, yeah! And then Ryan at one point decided he just really didn't want to be on Facebook anymore, which first of all, he has the right to, but I had to adjust. I was like, where are you? I'm trying to get rid of it, but... I, I was like, "Where's Ryan? Ryan? Where's Ryan? Hey!" And you know, so again, it's oh. those little things, but it's the, you get used to something being the way you like it, even without thinking about it. It's just part of your life, and then it changes, and you're like, "Oh, okay." And so, but that's the thing. It's you know, meetings and partings. People yeah. change. I don't do that kind of thing anymore. And you go, "Okay," but I've gotten better at being like, "All right, that's people do what they do. Nothing I'm going to do about I'm it." I'm pretty good at like rolling in to a new job and making a friend and then we're like buddy buddy and then I I have that job for like three years and we're like best friends and then I just disappear in the night and you can still contact them and I'm working on that you can still call Colby Colby can call you too though we've been texting a little lately have you yeah it's been good 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 but I know that feeling it's the thing that's such a part of your life and suddenly it's not and I don't mean him but just the whole thing yeah, yeah. I, I think, just think about it, and then so then when I hear the, that line, it's just like Jesus Christ. I get that like tattooed on my body somewhere. Well, I remember, and I told him this recently, <laughs> but I remember going through a lot, and then uh, right when I was already kind of going, Ugh, I have lunch with Scott Garvey, who's like, "Oh yeah, I'm moving back to Massachusetts permanently." I was like, "No, I didn't say that," but it was kind of like, "No, you, I see you every Sunday. That's what we do." But at the same time, I knew he had to. Yeah, but it's again, it's you know, so I don't know. It's it is part of life, and I think so, anytime you see, I always say, and I don't mean this to sound rude, but I always say, you know, misery loves company. So it's nice to see a movie or anything, TV show, where you can tell the person writing it's been through something, and they they relay something that you've been through, and you kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, this person gets it. <laughs> it's like because <laughs> sometimes, and I mean, not that you don't want to watch stuff. Sometimes it have it to escape, but I do feel like sometimes you watch stuff and uh, you feel like, Jesus Christ, this is fucking pie in the sky bullshit. <laughs> it's like I watched this really great film the other day and I wish I could remember. It's on Netflix. It's just the girl's name. She's like 19, the character. I mean, maybe the actress is, but it's kind of a Christmas movie and she grew up a prodigy and she lives in New York by herself and her dad, Gabriel Byrne, lives now in London so she goes to her dad's best friend's a therapist. So it's a lot of her sitting at the therapist's office talking about basically living in by herself in New York at 19, being way too intelligent and kind of not being able to connect with people. And the therapist is trying to get her to kind of tell her it's okay to be happy. Well, I'm spoiler alert. Um, there's a guy that she bumps into that lives next door to her. And instantly I'm like, yeah. This is going to be the love interest. It's It was so over the, mm-hmm. hit you over the head where everything else wasn't. And I was like, I don't want it. Not that I don't want her to have a love interest, but does it have to be clearly the goofy, extremely good looking guy who happens to play uh, flute in the New York Philharmonic, but he's, he's he doesn't brag about it. And I was like, God damn it. Everything else kind of felt like felt real, like somebody really dealing with, you know, life. But that seemed so. So at the end, when she ended up with him, I was like, yeah, of course she did. 
I was like, yeah, no. you hate to have something like that break that uh, uh, um, what verisimilitude where you're like, this is very real. This is this is a believable world that right. I can live in for a while, and then that happens. You go, what is this Hallmark movie bullshit? That's exactly what I thought. Is it felt like a it felt like a holiday Hallmark film where she had a chance to connect. It was funny because he had a roommate in it that was a weirdo. I mean, they really made it was, it was funny because he kept the other guy kept saying he's a pathological liar. <laughs> so at the end, when she goes up, shows up, and asks where the other guy is, he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, he moved out." He goes, what? He goes, yeah, a couple days ago. And she goes, no. And he goes, I'm sorry. And he shuts the door. He goes, happy new year. And he shuts the door. So she's standing there. And the other guy opens the door up and goes, God damn it. I didn't move out. I told you he's a pathological liar. So that was great. He had such a glee in telling her, sorry, he fucking moved out. But I didn't want him to be that freaky. I wanted her to end up with him because he was such a weirdo (laughs) like she was. That seemed like, oh. Find your freaks. Yeah, find your freaks. But the other guy was just like, oh, I'm just this nerd that happens to be drop-dead, gorgeous. Who I'm like, oh, brother. Because <laughs> she was such a believable character. I mean, she's cute, but she seemed believably just kind of dorky, cute. I don't get life. People are weird. I don't understand these things. And I'm like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be kind of a refreshing take. And then when stupid love interest, you're exactly right. I was like, God damn it, Lifetime movie. No! No, you were so close. Anyway, you had it. You had it. Um, you fucked it up. So I, so I took us back a little bit. Um, you know that you, the final scene obviously is here's what's going to happen to you. You'll die. No one will care, and everyone will move on. And so um, they're no in the cemetery, and uh, he says things can be changed. A life can be made right. And it just got me thinking, like, so what did, how does he change the course of things? Like, how, how does he, what is he, is it just him being nice? Well, here's the biggest thing I think you have to look at. Here's here's the biggest thing. He... I think one of the biggest things they didn't address that much, but they do in some of the other stories, the versions I've seen of it, is he, with Marley and Marley, they own a shit ton of properties. So they're like slumlords over a big chunk of mm-hmm. London. So obviously one of the first things he could do is, first of all, make rent affordable, make it so people, you know, he says to Cratchit, I forgive your mortgage. So he doesn't have to pass. He has no bills. He could go into all the places these people live and clean them up and basically give a fourth of London, you know, a nice place to live and affordable housing. All the things we talked about with Bezos. I mean, Bezos could wake up tomorrow and people would just never have to pay another bill in their lifetime because he has so much goddamn money. So I think it's just him going to the people around him and making them a good life. I'm assuming, and this is funny, because I selfishly thought this about, you know, things you kind of don't want them to change, you know, like we were just talking about. To me, if you had Cratchit as your younger partner, and this is what he wants to do for a living. If I was older, I'd want to be like, I'll be honest with you. I just want to retire or die, but I want you to be in my life forever. You know, first of all, you're a partner now and you're going to get paid well. And you think somebody like Cratchit would be like, fuck yeah. So you'd be able to go to work every day and go, oh, thank God, at least I have Bob Cratchit and his family, you know, mm-hmm. because like I told you in the original story I saw, he becomes like a second dad to Tiny Tim. So he basically has a, a, the ability of the immediate 
his immediate connections to make everybody better. One with kindness and two with, let's just say it, cash. But as London society in general, he could be the rich guy who gives all his money back and makes life easier. So I think he has the power okay. to make an, a huge dent on London and the society. Because if you were Charles Koch, or I don't remember which one's still alive that lives in Wichita, the guy's fucking pushing 90. If you woke up tomorrow and said, man, fuck it. I'm not going to take it all with me. I'm just going to give it to the Wichita community. I'm just going to start handing it to everybody. Jesus Christ, everybody would adore him. If it was like, boy, Charles Koch woke up and said, <laughs> I'm not leaving this to my fucking kids. They can do their own thing. I'm going to give this to the Wichita community. It's like, Jesus Christ, what amazing things you could do. So I think he could do a lot. So then that changes his mind. He's uh, light as a feather when he wakes up in the morning. Ebenezer Scrooge, ready to spread Christmas cheer. There's a great one in the George C. Scott. The There's a great one in the George C. Scott where he like gets up on the bed and like dances around and jumps up in the air and lands. He goes wee onto the bed and everything, and it's great. But it's one of my favorite uh, things is any Christmas Carol is when they wake up and they go to the window. You there, boy? And he's like, "Well, me, sir." What day is it? Why is Christmas? And he's like, oh, yeah, intelligent boy. Very sharp boy. And everything. And it's a little rabbit, the little homeless rabbit, who is not going to be homeless after this because you know he gives him all that money and he's going to make sure he's taken care of. So, yeah, good times. It's a, <laughs> everything's fine, Ryan, the way it should be around Christmas. I know. When January shows it's up, great. all the bullshit can show up again. He, um, he goes... He tells him to go get a turkey. Uh, the turkey the is turkey as big as me. Twice it's the there. size of Tiny Tim. What's that? He says it was a turkey twice the size of Tiny Tim, which is not that big. <laughs> Tiny Tim is just a little fucking little, yeah, you get a little little frog you can put in your hand. So twice that is just this is your turkey. <laughs> That's a small turkey. It's tiniest Tim. And he gives money to the charity people, and they give him that right. red scarf, which I think is a nice little touch. And he says, a gift? And he puts on that little scarf, which is kind of touching. I like that. So just kind of just show, like, that cu- splash of color. Yeah, and I think all that's black. exactly it. And all his it's darkness. that little bit of little... cheer mm-hmm. on him. You got you got cheer on you? And then he goes and scares the shit out of Bob Cratchit, which I've always been a fan of that in every version of it, where it's like, con, 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 Bob Cratchit, and he, this little shaky kind of thing. I don't that's get where, it. That's where Miss Piggy comes and basically says, I'm going to kick your dick in. So he says, I'm going to give you a raise and double your salary. And he's like, oh, 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 I like how they're just at home. And he's like, here's the whole town coming to party in your house. Come on in. We want to invite you to have thing, uh, to have Christmas dinner with us. Or his exact words. Yes. And, and he goes, that means- oh, okay. And then... Come on in, everybody, to his house. <laughs> Can you imagine if somebody did that to you? You're like, what the How fuck? is this with us? You mean with us, not with you, with us. I don't, I don't like people coming to my door unannounced. Right. Let alone the whole town. This, this is a long Christmas time. Yeah, they were cool with it back then. Oh, okay. They, we were cool with it when I was a kid. We talked about that. I saw Nowadays. a stand-up comedian not too long ago. Goes, Remember when we were kids and somebody would knock at the door and your mom would be like, oh, go get that. And I'm going to go get a cake. For whoever shows up and he said, now <laughs> somebody knocks at the door and your folks go, everybody shut the fuck up and get down on the floor. We are not answering <laughs> that goddamn door. And that is how things have changed. Oh, my. So they have their feast and sing their song, The Love We Found. The Love We Found. 
It's great. And then God the end. bless us, everyone. And I'm a big fan of the skyline with the words "the end." That's all. Question mark. And I'm a, if you haven't watched 1984's version with George C. Scott, anybody out there, watch that one too because I think it's equally as good. I don't believe I've ever seen that one. Do you now love this film? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love what they pulled off in the making of it. Um, I did watch something pretty interesting though that broke it down. And broke it down. <laughs> break it down. Everybody, we're gonna break down Muppets Christmas Carol. First up. Sorry. It was the opposite of that. It was uh lessons from the screenplay on, oh, okay. uh, on YouTube. And he's got a really great voice and he oh, talks really so and um and he talks about uh the five act story structure that is pretty perfectly personified in a Christmas Carol. And um, so where basically your first act, and I mean, I'm not going to go into it because I'm going to fuck it all up, but basically you've got the one act in the beginning and you're one at the end, and then you got your three ghosts in the middle. Oh, that's what three I love acts. about it. And so you've got that, that traditional three act, but that middle act is broken into three acts basically. And so um, I thought it was pretty cool because they basically say everything in the story basically um, pushes it forward and you've got your inciting incident and, and, you know, you kind of learn who he is and your exciting incident. And then will he change? Will he make the necessary changes? How do you get through to him? And it just kind of goes all the way through every act. And, um, and it's public domain. Oh, really? I assume that why there's so many. I think that's why there's so many. Yeah. I think that book is so old that anybody can do a version of it. It's like, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Public domain, baby. Baby. Hey, <laughs> baby. Nothing will ever top Blue Christmas, and you know it. It's well. <laughs> that's pretty perfect. That's pretty perfect. Um, so more. What else? Like, what else do you watch around Christmas time? Like, I know this is one of your must-watches. It's not one of mine. I don't know if this will be like a watch every Christmas sort of thing for me or not, but um, what other stuff do you like to take I in? I might watch Christmas tonight. Season? It's a w- wonderful life. Never seen it. <laughs> I know. I know. I think I had an aversion to old stuff. I was talking to Cassandra one day and I was like, look, here's the deal. I we were talking about bonanza or something. I don't know. I was talking about how I listened to <laughs> I listened to bananas for bonanza. Okay, I don't know and, why that made me laugh. I was like, what? <laughs> Who are That's people do. To, we just inc- talking about bonanza. An incredible podcast called Bonanas for Bonanza, and it's Andy Daly and Matt Gorley and Maria Bamford, and it's incredible. And it's a seat. It's an episode by episode breakdown of all 461 episodes of Bonanza. They're on about episode 15 right now. Anyways. Are going to do all of them well that's the joke but they made their way through the second season at least i didn't think there was going to be a second season but they came back anyways uh she was talking about how growing up you know they didn't have a lot of channels and all that sort of stuff and this goes back to a conversation i might have talked about on here no cassandra Um, oh right this goes back to a conversation we might have had on here where cassandra reminded me that i was rich growing up or something and she was not i want to point out at one point Ryan used to travel with his job. So mm-hmm. that was always nice because I call her Coco. Coco and I used to grab dinner and go see a movie. It was like the one time we got to kind of hang out. 
And there was at one point, I think we both realized that our lives were crazy parallel. Because we grew up <laughs> in the middle of fucking nowhere, poor shit. We both played saxophone. We both, I mean, it was all these things. I was like, me too, me too, me too. But I, it's funny because nowhere along the line did I think, how do you hang out with Ryan? Because he grew up rich. I know. Well, I know I what never, she's saying. You just had more than she did. Yeah, I just didn't ever, I mean, I just never wanted for anything. Even my mom right. would be like, oh, we were not rich, you know. We worked my your dad worked right, three right, jobs right. growing were, up so probably, that you would have everything. You were probably middle income. You yeah. Know, okay. Well, right. the the defining factor was I had HBO growing up and she had, you know, like three channels or something, you know. And so needless to say, I found myself not gra- like gravitating towards current things, modern things for myself and not older stuff. I don't know. It's always been weird. I wasn't ever into uh, like I like period pieces enough, but I was never really super into period pieces or older movies or, uh, you know, just anything like that. If it was black and white or something like it's a wonderful life. Like I just wasn't interested. And oh, so, I think a lot of people that I way, I mean, I got some years on you and I, I have, excuse me, my thing's making a bunch of noise. Okay. I just recently have probably allowed myself to kind of slide into black and white more. And so, um, I did. So I'm sorry. You were talking about It's a Wonderful Life. What else do, do you like oh, to Oh, let me uh, say this real quick. I, uh, um, since it's being immortalized on recording here, I don't even know that I finished it like 25 years ago. And people all the time were like, oh, the one film we watch every year is It's a Wonderful Life. Fast forward, my thought was, yeah, it's depressing as fuck. That movie's depressing as fuck. <laughs> and so last year, it was on Amazon Prime or something. I just went, ah, fuck it. And, and also in my head, it was three hours long. I think it's literally like 2.20 or 2.15. So it's not insane, but it, it's not short. And I watched it, and I was like, god damn it. I mean, first of all, there's literally a couple of moments made tears run down my face because there's just some touching moments in it. And at the end, it's you know what I like. Everything gets wrapped up, and you realize what's important. But it is a absolutely beautiful film and it's also one of the ones when you know the story it, it, you you get endeared to the craft of filmmaking because you know again it was mostly you know the uh, um what's it called why can't i think of it i keep wanting to call it pottersville that's when it got take, taken over uh, bedford falls is that right anyway the town they're in it's all built i mean everything was built for it what's crazy is even like the bank that has like a marble front they said yeah they built that fake bank with real marble they brought everything in and I think they ended up taking it all down, but it's like, uh, Jesus, because it's like two full <laughs> blocks. It's insane. Fake snow. They won an Academy Award for inventing that fake snow because they were using basically cornflakes before, and they were so noisy. Oh. The sound guy's like, I can't hear anything. So they invented new snow for this. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. Getting to the point, uh, that one and uh, um, Muppet Christmas Carol, but I think as far as kind of feeling like, oh, I have to get those in, that's about it. I like to try to check out parts of uh, Mup- or, uh, Pee-wee's Christmas special because it's so endeared to me for a lot of reasons because it's everything I would love to see our proof film attempt, which is just kind of spazzy weird. Now let's go to the TV and see Mr. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of goofiness. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have a lot. I thought that uh, uh, Klaus, which is an animated film about Santa Claus that just came out last year on Netflix was extremely good. Watch that this year. I would suggest to watch that. I thought it was really fun. The main dopey character is Jason Schwartzman, who's oh, cool. awesome. And his yeah. love interest is Rashida Jones, which is awesome. And uh, so I would definitely suggest that. But I think other than those two, I don't really have anything I feel like I have to 
probably to be honest, Muppet Christmas Carol is the only one that I feel like, well, it's not Christmas unless I watch Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol. But newsflash, I don't know that I will every year. Or sometimes you might be like, oh, I've seen it, you know, 15 times in a row. <laughs> I don't know that I have to. But my thing is more like I just want to watch holiday films. And 90% of them are exactly what you said. They're also lifetimey. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, and then there's foreign. a few that cut through. There's a far there's a few that are foreign that drives me crazy because I'm laying on my couch like a dumbass, wanting to just relax, and it starts up and I go, What fucking country is this from? I don't want to read this. You know, it's just all subtitled. And I'm like, Yeah, it's too much work. I just want to have it just play. So if anybody's uh, listening, go make some Chris, some more modern Christmas films that have a little more heart. I'd like to I'd like to see something that has I'd love to see Wes Anderson really lean into a Christmas film. Oh god. That'd be amazing. So we watch Home Alone. We haven't watched it this year, but Home Alone is like the one I think in this house that kind of tops them all. We watch Home I'm Alone. A friend on Instagram, uh, on her stories today, she put, uh, "I have to watch these two movies today." It was Home Alone and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So, oh, you. nice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a lot of people's go-to. I you know, I have not feels. seen Home. Al- I have not seen Home Alone since the theater. Wow. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I've never seen it since. See, to me, that's kind of that comfort blanket. You kind of know. It's like watching, we watched, and which is, this is a little bit more the the crass version of it. I don't know how comfortable it is, but we watched uh, um, uh, Christmas Vacation last night. That was always (gasps) the one in our house. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was like, yeah, that was that was a like great movie. The Johnson family. Oh my god, it's so good. There's a line that we caught last night that I fucking stopped it. Keep in mind, I do. It's not like streaming anywhere, and I was like, okay, I guess we could rent it. And so I was looking through, and I was like, wait. I'm going to go get the VCR. And so I grabbed my VCR and my VHS copy of Christmas Vacation and plugged it into the TV and we watched it last night. And oh, there's awesome. a yeah, and there's a line that it made me wonder if it was one of those DV one of those um like you said how they cut that song out of the mm-hmm. the VHS of that other one. Yeah. It made me wonder if this was a different version because or if I just been watching TV versions all my life or what because at one point uh Randy Quaid's disgusting uh, uh cousin Eddie says to his wife, mm. it's like a throwaway line. He's like, all right, baby, why don't you go uh, um, head back to the RV or something? I'll be there in a minute. Get uh, get the rubber sheets and the gerbils. Mm. And I said, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> well, it is National Lampoons. <laughs> right. You know what and I mean? Yeah, and that's what I told Cassandra. I was like, oh, duh. This was National Lampoons. This was like some of it is so hokey and so silly and so kind of crude and like over the top. It's like, oh, duh. This is the animal house, pe- animal house people. You know, this is National well, Lampoons. Well, and they were – I'm sure when they were making it, they weren't thinking this will be a holiday family, you know, tradition. <laughs> and it, it probably felt- got cut down. It probably got cut down now to be more so. Based on what you're saying, like, well, if we just maybe take out the gerbil line and a couple <laughs> other things, this thing could play on TV real well. And then, like a lot of things, it becomes a tradition. And I'm sure oh, the yeah. people at National Lampoon's like, fuck, we never dreamed anybody ever watch it other than the one time we put it out. So I'm always a big fan of that stuff that becomes tradition. And you t- talk to the original creators of anything, they're like, we didn't even know if the thing was ever going to get seen, <laughs> let alone be watched every year for the rest of our lives. So. 
Yeah. No, I wouldn't mind watching that again. I forgot how good that is. Oh, watch that one. Um, and then the number one go-to over the years, it's become this one. But my number one go-to, and I usually wait until legitimately wait until Christmas Day, is um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the Christmas special God, that they did. I know I've seen it, but I have to watch it again. So side-splittingly funny. It's like an hour long. We have it on DVD, but this I think where they go the to the mall and like lose their shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you did you fuck my mom, Santa? Did you, fuck, <laughs> yeah. did, you fuck, did you fuck my fucking mom, Santa? Did you fuck my fucking mom, Santa? And he just freaks out on I mean that whole thing. Well, I know it's on Hulu or whatever. I just yeah. gotta figure out which episode yeah. it is. Yeah, you just go to it's, I think it's like season five or something like that. You go you, you dig through there, you'll see it. It might be a two-part episode, but sure. it's the same thing. But that is amazing. And so is we like to watch a lot of Christmas episodes of things like you mentioned earlier. And um, so that one is huge. And the South Park Woodland Critters Christmas will it, – it just – it ruins me how fucked up that episode is. Do you remember this? No. South Park has one that plays out kind of like a Dr. Seuss – Sure. Um, or something with the narration over the top. And he talks about there was a little boy with a poofball hat. And they talk about um, who is that, Stan. And um, it features demonic woodland critter cr- uh, animals from the forest and blood orgies and sacrifices. And it is just, it is the most insane christmas story i've ever seen and it's awesome it's well worth watching okay i'll try and figure out which episode it is Uh, maybe i don't know it's funny because i think that i lean towards every other rest of the year i'm fine with it but christmas i do think i lean towards endearing neither of these are endearing well, that's what I mean. That's why I'm kind of going, yeah, that's why, why my traditions tend to be like, oh, oh, where rest of the year, yeah. I mean, my God, I just finished the last season of Big Mouth. And you're not going to oh get God. much more fucked up than goddamn Big Mouth, especially this last season. <laughs> and I loved every second of it to a point where you're just like, so there's, okay. We see this poop sticking out of this kid's butt. And it's got a, it's got a whole scene. And he's got his fr- best friend helping him give birth to the shit. And he finds out that there's a twin and it's a lighter colored poop that comes out too. And they carry the poop around. And it's just like, and it's so fucking good. Do you know that was Paul Giamatti? Yes. With the poop. Not until somebody told me, they go, hey, Jim, that was Paul Giamatti with the fucking poop. And I was like, that's oh, so good. I didn't know it either until I saw like a behind my the scenes is, thing. My favorite is Lola. Lola? Lola I, I Scumpy. Wish I, I wish I could do Lola's voice, but I'm trying. I'm always like, oh my God. Just, it's just, God damn. I try. I'm trying so hard. And Cassandra, bless her heart, she's being a cheerleader. But someday <laughs> Listen, she's you like, try oh. to do it. Let's yeah, hear what I'm you like, got. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, it's always the dump truck line. I'm not a dump truck. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> her and oh, Jason yeah, Manzoukas we'll together. Me. Say it. Uh, she goes, oh, yeah, I want you to finger me. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's just everything about us. Oh, my God. And you feel so bad for her because you see that, like, both of them, they're perfect for each other because they're, like, well, little, they're just mistreated, oh, especially him. Christmas special. 
What's that? Uh, I just realized we need a Big Mouth Christmas special. I can't believe like they Like the Valentine one they did. I can't believe they don't have a Christmas special. All of them. I mean, there's nobody on that show that's not fucking funny. Coach Steve and everybody. And I didn't realize that. Um, I knew June Diane Raphael was on the show, but I didn't realize how big a part, like, character she actually is on the show. Who? Uh, she's, um, who's the, uh, oh God. What's his name? Uh, the black kid that's like secretly old and he broke up or he divorced his Oh, girlfriend. right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's his girlfriend. I can't remember. Oh, that's name. June Diane Rayfield? Yeah. yeah. Oh, once no once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And then you realize Paul Shear is in it and the whole How Did This Get Made gang is there. And he just, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. notice his voice till this season. I was like, that's Paul Shear. And the guy had a gap in his teeth. It looked just like him. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I liked hurt. when they showed it. What's his name? I don't remember his name now. Uh, when he grows up, he's just Jason, Jason Manzuka. Uh-huh. When they show him in the future, he has the hair and everything. <laughs> he's jacked! And he's banging what's his name's parents. And yeah, <laughs> the whole orgy house. And I was like, God dang this show. Fucking go for it. And I mean, nobody beats Maya Rudolph. Oh, As, I mean, Maya. half the stuff she says, I'm just like, God dang, she's so fucking funny. Get a little bubble bath. No, um, <laughs> the only, uh, the one and only main reason, not the only, the main reason to watch that show is for Rick, the hormone monster. That's oh. the voice that I've been trying to tackle for boop, so boop, long. Boop. Yeah. That, <laughs> and I'm gonna you mean, you, with a, you mean the guy that talks like this all the time? Oh no, I fucking love him. No, um, <laughs> uh, no. Oh, oh, that what one. I, what are you gonna do? That's pretty good. <laughs> you have to put <laughs> subtitles on, or you miss half the yeah. stuff he says. That's real good. I've been working on. Uh, There's too many good. No, it's so that's good. why I wouldn't want to be a voice actor. I'd be afraid I couldn't get to it again. Oh my god! No, that they're like, oh, that's not it though. With him, Nick, you're not doing yeah, it. No, no, I'm it. doing it. No, I that dude, that's not it. Oh fuck, my throat changed. You know, I'd be feared uh-huh. that it's like, yeah, you're not doing it. It's like fuck. We got to change. We got to write something up because it's like Lola. I'd be afraid I suddenly couldn't get there anymore, and I'd be like, that's not Lola. And you go fuck. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so many good things so yeah Don't watch get me Big started. Mouth for Christmas people um yeah well, that's it we're getting to the end of this thing mm-hmm. look at us at two hours and 15 minutes that's oh, lean mean fighting machine like the last one I know watch all the Christmas carols that's what I tell people watch I all the Christmas it. carols I, I have always been a fan of this artistically in life I love the concept of giving people an idea or, uh, sorry, my phone's been blowing up. Uh, I like the idea of giving 10 artists the same interpretation of something like, I don't know, paint a rabbit smoking a cigarette, something I like to do. And then have the 10 artists show up and say, here's my interpretation. I'm a big fan of that. So I think the ultimate thing out there creatively is Christmas Carol, because so many people have done their take on it. And I just think it's magical when I hear anybody's got a new one, I go, oh, my first thought is, oh, I can't wait. The first thing I always think is I can't wait to see how they do the ghosts. And I can't wait to see how it ends. How they end it, but especially like Ghost of Christmas Future. <laughs> I want to. Oh, I was joking. I was being a dick. <laughs> he was being a fucking dick. This is Christmas. <laughs> Tap into your Christmasness for a second. You, I'm you here. Awful human being. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Can't wait to see how it ends. Or you could just not watch it and let the rest of us that want to experience a little bit of joy experience that joy. <laughs> You're Scrooge is what you are. I hope ghosts visit you in the night. Ooh, ghosts. 
ghosts will show up and they'll show you some animal somewhere and you'll burst into tears and they'll realize you're just a little vegan pussy and they'll (laughs) (laughs) they go I see you care about something that is true you do animals he's a he's a caring guy I know you guys are two hours and 15 minutes in you're leaving this podcast thinking how emotionally emotionless Ryan is but I'm here to say no (laughs) he's not my my brother-in-law the one that passed away used to come to me and say I defended you the other day and I, I always knew this joke. I go, what? And you go, I, a guy said, Wade Hampton's not good enough to shovel shit. And I said, yes, he is. <laughs> that was it. He was just That's always the joke. something like, That's the joke. He's not good enough to even shovel shit. Oh, yes, he is. That's just a great joke. Yeah, so he did that to me all the time. The other one is said, <laughs> I defended you the other day. And I go, I can't remember what it was, but it was something like, Wade Hampton's not good enough to eat a shit sandwich. And I said, yes, he is. They were always the same punchline. Yes, he is. Just that I'm good enough to do terrible things. God rest his soul, Sterling, my brother-in-law. But anyway, but I think we end on this. Or we'll yeah, just man. keep rambling on. Um, oh, Andy, you got to end it like you ended the last one. Don't forget. Gotta put it in. You know uh, Merry Christmas, Wade. Merry Christmas, Ryan, and to your lovely wife. And uh, got a vaccine coming, hopefully. Maybe we'll get to hang out sometime, shoot a film in person, like real people. Um, I love you guys, and uh, Merry Christmas. I probably won't, if I don't talk to you before. Yeah, we might, because the podcast will be coming out this time. We'll talk before Christmas. We'll talk before Christmas. For everyone listening, it is Christmas, hopefully. Yeah, that's right. When you're listening, (laughs) it's probably Christmas Eve or something. Merry Christmas. And I'm going to go, you hopefully have heard my song, because I was going to email to me. I got to put together from Noel and I, uh, Denial for Christmas. It's in the future. I hope future. you're enjoying that. Hope you're enjoying Denial for Christmas. Friedline, uh, Friedline Hampton track. Hopefully his computer didn't blow up while he was editing it, meaning me. <laughs> All right. We are Black Ooze Presents from lovely Wichita, Kansas. We are Art Brute Film. Myself, Wade Hampton, and Mr. Ryan Johnson. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Joy of Christmas! Joy of Christmas! Oh shit! God, God bless us, everyone.